on what grounds podcast good morning everybody welcome to another episode of on what grounds podcast episode six ah good morning oh coffee yeah coffee good coffee good we're a little little more prepared today so Mm -hmm. it should be a little more smoother than last week but that's fine i slept like shit last night (laughs) Uh, yeah it's weather's it's a little warm it's a little warm out there allergies are definitely out there bugs are out there a little stuffy here and there a little bit of boogers a little bit definitely a little bit of boogers i i I tried to convince you babe into you know doing a on what grounds podcast with me blowing my nose at the beginning and you didn't seem too amused so (laughs) i have to try harder i didn't know if you were serious or not but come on (laughs) why not tell you what maybe we'll record one (laughs) after this and we'll edit it in post (laughs) how about that um uh, so good morning everybody good morning we have a little bit of a topic to start with today, mm-hmm. you know, in our theme, you know, taking a little bit of a topic. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, let's talk about freedom. Freedom! Now, <laughs> freedom! <laughs> now, with a, with a little bit of a specifics, it could obviously, like, freedom of speech, but I didn't want it to just be about speech because... It's like also the idea of like freedom of access to information, freedom of expression, freedom of ideas. And the reason for that, um, I did see circulating on Facebook and I've got a a news article here on my phone for for reference. Um, This high school in Westport, Connecticut, the Staples High School, Hmm. um, parents have been complaining about that popped up on my feed today, by the way. Oh, it did? It did. Yeah, it's... I didn't read the article or anything because I heard the context from you. It's but. like, it's literally popped up on my feed like three times, but like from three separate sources too. Mm-hmm. And anytime I comment on it, somebody re- reacts and I try and open that reaction that it says, this article can't be accessed at the time, so I wonder if it gets taken really? down. Really? Yeah, but like... That's interesting. It's almost like it keeps getting taken down, but then put up again. Hmm. But... A little more context, so, yeah, Staples High School has three LGBTQ books, and parents are upset about them because, oh, they're pornographic or they shouldn't be there, Um, so they're in the high school. In some cases, not necessarily in Connecticut, I mean, I would need more stuff in front of me, but um, these books have appeared in some middle schools, too, I guess. Um... Now, the books in question are Gender Queer, This Book is Gay, and Flamer. <clears throat> and just before we got started, I showed you some images out of Gender Queer, mm-hmm. and one of, one of the pictures in question, it's uh, the the main character in the book who is a... And you know what? I'm actually going to say this. I don't know for sure the character's gender. Based on the images that I would saw, I would say that this is a transgender man. Okay. But p- please correct me, you know, in the comments or, you know, wh- wherever you may be hearing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on the images I saw, it's a transgender man with his girlfriend. And in his imagination, she is <clears throat> giving him a blowjob. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what I thought it was going to be. And this is the reality. And he's wearing a strap on and she's blowing the strap on. And they says, hey, let's try something else. Okay. Now, I can... 
respect the fact that in context, like, a parent may see that and be like, you got this from your school? But, you know, in context, it's like, what could be the story? But before I go any further, mm. what are your... Because you said that you saw this in your feed. What are your thoughts on the situation? Oh, it's a loaded question. Um, there's a, there's, sometimes there's a part of me that gets a little too traditional and I have to try and beat that traditional a little bit out of me to, in order to keep my mind open to fresh ideas and fresh concepts that are out there. No, there is just the whole fact that it's, we're talking about human beings that just want to be happy and no, maybe they're not happy. Well, are we talking about um, trans or are we talking about the topic of the books in the school? Um, so for, I would say like whatever first comes to mind, cause yeah. it, I honestly, like, I think this whole situation is actually a very loaded issue and not mm -hmm. just in the context of LGBTQ mm. and and that. But well, so I would say like just just go with what you feel first and we can go actually, from there. Actually while you were talking before, here's one thing that I was thinking of is that having those having these particular books in the school, I'm not even thinking about the parents' mentality in it in in the moment. I'm thinking about if I was, and you said that they were also in some middle schools, not just the high schools. I think that's what it said. I don't know which ones, but yeah. I try to put myself in the child's mind, all right? So if it's in a middle school, let's say, you know, a 12-year-old, what is a 12-year-old's mentality if they were to take that book out of, off of a shelf and to see those images? Um you have 12 year olds that are remarkably little more advanced or like mature if you will for their age and then you have other ones that are definitely juvenile <laughs> you know they're definitely <clears throat> childish in their thoughts and everything very very you know I, i'll use the term innocent um her naive and then looking at pictures like this it might be confusing for them um and again, this is where my traditionalist side comes out. So, you know, if I was that kid and I, and I whether I was 12 or whether I was high school age, um, your mentality changes a lot throughout all of those years. How confusing might it be for that child? And we'll, I'll call them all children because uh, high school, even our children, they are under the age of 18. So they're children, all right? Um, so not to mince words or anything. All right. So you have all of these kids and they see all of these, they see these books on a shelf and they look at them and they look at these images. What is going through their minds? Is it confusing for them? Do they laugh at it? Um, do they consider it to be a joke or do they take it seriously? Let's not even, let's not even worry about the parents at this time. No. What is it? What does it do for a child's mind? Because a child, what, it, what can we do with their minds? A child's mind is moldable. They, they're impressionable. No, they're taking in, you know, even as adults, we're taking in tons of information all of the time. But as a child, we can take in information and it can leave a lasting impression on us. And just by viewing images might leave a lasting impression, but it might leave us confused. Um, 
so I, I kind of have some mixed feelings on if it's suitable if it's suitable for like you know for an elementary school or a middle school kid to be looking at books with these images maybe it's not quite necessary for them to access them or maybe there should be a special section in a school that has specific topical books like this that based on if the school has a psychologist which most schools should have a psychologist oh, yes. that yep. the psychologist <clears throat> based uh, almost like a per, make it almost like a prescribed book for said child if they find that a particular child um in the school system um might uh, uh benefit from reading a certain book a, a prescribed book that maybe is not necessarily suitable for all of the other children make it a prescribed book but don't ban it altogether now i don't think that we i don't think that that humanity benefits from banning things unless they're absolutely harmful to them i don't consider these books to be harmful but they can be questionable based on what kind of mentality that child has already. If you have a more mature-minded child that maybe comes from a background of maybe their parents are in some kind of transitional phase. You know, maybe you, you could have a 12-year-old that knows how to cook and clean, and then you have another 12-year-old that can't do shit around the house. No. So you have, it depends on their background. It depends on their lifestyle and how they live in the home. How the, How's the family life that's going to dictate the mentality and mind of the child and if they can handle looking at that kind of material. So again, um, maybe, maybe it should be considered prescribed um, reading. That would be picture almost like prescription medicine. You know, like don't ban it but have somebody at least kind of say, you know, this this reading would be suitable for this particular person because they would probably understand it better. No, but this, you know, 15-year-old over here, you know, maybe, uh, bluntly speaking, maybe they're a bully in the school system or maybe they're, you know, based off of their personality, maybe they're not ready for that type of book right now. And if, they, if you expose them to it, then maybe it's just going to do more harm to them and they're going to view it like negatively uh, versus um, taking it in a positive light. Free speech is good and everything, but it's free speech is going to be good to people that know how to use it and kids don't necessarily know how to use it. Now, they're going to take something and just knock it out of proportion. Because that's what kids do. <laughs> kids are fascinating creatures. But yes, they are. They, and they can be. Uh, <laughs> they can be confusing. I, they confuse me. Um, did I kind of go all over the place with that, or did I kind of stick to the topic? No, no, that was great. Thank you. Um, so, my thoughts on it. Obviously, like it's a very loaded question for me too. Mm. Just especially because I myself am a librarian and deal with this, but I don't want to necessarily get to that yet. What I would like to look at it as, coming back to what you said as far as when you said like being a child, being in their shoes, it's like, what were you doing? And when I say doing, I mean like consuming 
listening to, mm-hmm. watching, reading at 13. Exactly. Like, so it's like... It was an innocent time, or like <clears throat> more innocent. Now we were watching, we were watching, what was I doing when I was 12, 13? I was watching Saturday morning cartoons in my pajamas with pancakes or a bowl of oatmeal or cereal or something. And just, it was a simple time. We didn't have bills to pay. We, most of us, got a weekly allowance. And then after the cartoons were done, we were kicked outside to go and play or, you know, do some chores around the house. It was, you know, we weren't worried about Well, here, here's a question kind of for topics. you. Because this, this may even branch off into other stuff that I have to say about the situation too. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you first saw RoboCop? The original RoboCop. Oh, you're going to put me in that corner, aren't you? <laughs> you are uh, going there, it's, it's aren't a, you? It's a legit question. How, how old were you when you first saw RoboCop? Well, when Can did... you fly, Bobby? Okay, yeah. question. When did the first RoboCop come out? Let me in look the... that up. Hold on, okay. Jamie. Let okay. me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Can we look that up, Jamie? Can we look it up? RoboCop. 1987. So even if I didn't see it when it first, like in 1987, I likely saw it by 1988. So I would have been 10 years old. So there's that for me mm-hmm. on my end. I don't remember the exact age I was when I saw RoboCop for the first time, mm-hmm. but it was definitely before I hit puberty. So like when it says, "What were you doing at so age?" So you were about 18, 19. <laughs> <laughs> 25, 26. <laughs> uh, so. Ugh. Ugh. I had to go there. Like, and coming back to that again, so you were 10. Mm-hmm. I might have even been 10 too, maybe 11. Okay. And let's face it, Robocop's a pretty violent movie. I mean, they. Yes, it is. They annihilate. There's parts in it I still don't like to this day. Yeah, I mean, they annihilate him at the beginning mm-hmm. of that movie, like mm-hmm. shooting his arm off, and it's just so. Did that hurt? Yeah. Did that hurt? Ooh. And you know, and there's the scene when the when the woman is getting raped. Yep. Or, or attempt. And the guy gets yeah. and the guy gets shot in the dick. Yeah. <laughs> um. The, um. When like help me. Yeah, but <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Melty, Melty, Melty. Yes. Help me. Ugh. Um. Okay. Even the, the drug use. What's his name? Uh, Bob. What was it Bob Norton? The guy that uh, played by Miguel Ferrer. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. He, and he's doing Ferrer coca- Rocher. Yeah. He, he's doing <laughs> he's he's doing cocaine off of prostitutes' titties, and mm-hmm. you know it's like, and here we are. We're watching drug use. We're seeing prostitutes. We're seeing somebody getting raped. Mm-hmm. Guy getting annihilated with guns. Mm-hmm. And super Did it fun. affect us, babe? Did it affect and that's, us? And that's and that's <laughs> the question of that. I mean, mm-hmm. as a kid, I'm like, wow, this is super violent. Oh, he said, "Fuck." What does "fuck" mean? <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. but it didn't. I don't think it. I mean, I'm not going to speak for you, but it didn't damage me. Yeah. I mean, I, even though I was young, I acknowledged, like, "Wow, this is a super violent movie." But I also knew in that context that it was just a movie. Like, I knew that those people weren't actually dying, and but like, so when it comes to back to the parents saying, "Oh, these books are grooming them," mm-hmm. it's like that movie. Seeing that movie didn't groom me. Like, I I knew, like, reading a story, seeing a movie isn't necessarily going to undo a person's psychology or necessarily traumatize them. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that that's 
the same thing for all cases because there are even more violent and disturbing movies out there. We could definitely talk about that later, maybe. But I've got, I've got some sensational ideas building up. Ideas. Okay. And you can hear me out yep. on them when you're ready. And coming back to the book, and it's like, oh, well, it's, it's oh, it doesn't have to do with violence. It has to do with gender and sexuality. And mm-hmm. it's, kids are too young to be learning about sex now. Here's an even whole new ball of wax for you there, too, is that, let's face it, we, we live in a society where a person becomes an adult at, like, 18. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, once you're 18, you're an adult. But your body basically tells you that you're an, not... An, I'm sorry for saying that you're an adult because you're not an adult when you're 13, but let's face it, you're going through puberty at an age that is way younger than when you legally become an adult. So, whether parents like it or not, it's like your your kids are going to start having those thoughts and they're going to start having those feelings and they're going to start having those questions. And if somebody is that young and they feel like they're deep inside, it's like, okay, this is what I am. And it's like, what is this? How do I do this? It's like, you can't hide that stuff from them if they're already having that. Because let's face it, they're going to be having those feelings regardless. I mean, even, it's like, oh, because it's pornographic, it's pornographic now. <laughs> you could you could say next question on this. Mm-hmm. Continue speaking, but, I'm just grabbing pen and paper. Okay. Um, we don't have to talk about this, but here's an even thought. It's like, when was the first time you saw, ever saw porn? <laughs> uh, can we skip the okay. topic there, Jamie? Yeah, we, we can, absolutely. <laughs> but I guess for, for somebody listening, if you're saying, oh, well, these books are pornographic, how old were you when you first saw something pornographic and mm-hmm. did it groom you or did it scar you yeah but coming back to like with robocop i do think american culture has a very strange relationship with sex and violence Mm -hmm. like you can see the walking watch the walking dead and you can see somebody get torn to pieces and it's rated tv 14 but if you if there's something on TV and a woman's nipple gets shown, mm-hmm. it becomes MA or like it yeah. gets blurred out. So like you could see somebody get shot in the head or torn to pieces, mm-hmm. but a pair of boobs and a butt makes people cry, <laughs> you know? I've got a, a potential answer for you when it comes to that. And anybody that's listening may agree with this or may not like hearing this, but in my mind, it's the cold fucking truth. You know why? The reason why is because we still live in a puritanical society. We still live in the society where we... We absolutely cringe at any, we're so cringy about anything that's like remotely, that remotely involves the, the human body, sex, um, intimacy, anything like that. We don't, we, loosely speaking, well, you and I don't have children, but we as a society don't want to inform properly our children. No, like, I don't know about you, but for me, I didn't learn about the birds and the bees from my mom. I didn't yeah. learn about any of that stuff. You want to know why? Because for one, the religion that I was raised in might have been part of it. But, oh, and maybe religion has something to do with it too along the way. But I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get too bitter there for, you know, when it comes to talking about religion. But anyways, 
puritanical society, so it's hard to talk about sex and things related to sex, but it's easy for us to talk about things or watch things pertaining to violence because we have and always have lived in a society where we gloriously send our people off to, off to the military. No. So, and, and look, at it's okay to, you know, play video games that, you know, depict combat and shooting people down and everything. But you know what? You put a video game in, in a kid's hands that has any potential for any kind of sex in it. Oh, my God. You know, everybody's minds are blown. No. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It's that that to me has just always been fucked up. It's it's okay to, you know, to have, you know, to to train your kids for anything pertaining to uh military, war, violence, killing other people, but we can't just simply teach children um about intimacy and sex and anatomy, um things that are natural. Yeah. And make that okay. And I agree with that 100%. Like, so honestly, like when it comes to the, back to those books, like, I mean, I definitely do feel like it being LGBTQ is a factor, in, mm -hmm. but ultimately I think it comes down to sex. Cause let's face it, if you're talking about, you know, LGBTQ stuff, you're talking about a person's sexual preferences and their gender identity and who they're attracted to. And, and I think just, there's a lot of people that just want to feel like, oh, their children aren't going to even have those feelings or be interested in that until they become adults and even like oh the penis goes in the vagina is even like stretching it for them so it's like if you're going to confront them with is it true that you can that a man can have an orgasm if you stimulate their prostate it's like whoa 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 you know yeah so, but how are the how how are the children going to learn these things yeah if they're not learning these things from parents and from proper materials proper reading materials no and, how how <clears> is <throat> the transition for humanity, for our society going to be from the puritanical times that we still live in, that we have such a hard friggin' time uh, leaving behind and moving forward with fresh concepts. And, no. And in the meantime, how can we change from, excuse me, <laughs> coffee burp. Um, how can we change um, things from being confusing to things being acceptable? Because I, I just, I mean, in the context of, like, children and parents, I mean, they just need to sit down and talk about it. Yeah, but there's well, plenty of parents out there that won't. And they're shitty parents for being that, <laughs> you know? I like, know, and, right? Yep. Like, <laughs> let, let's face it, if you're not ready to sit down and talk to your, child, to your children about this, that is going to be the most damaging thing. Mm -hmm. It's not the books, it's not the media, it's not access to information, it's the fact that you're not giving your child guidance in this world where that stuff is there whether you like it or not. But babe, there's just still so many people out there that are shitting out kids that maybe shouldn't be. And Do we want to talk about that too? Uh, we Ooh. can, but Ooh. if you want to talk about that today, we can, Ooh. but hold that thought. I think this episode is, you know what really grinds my gears? Yeah. But, <laughs> and for the record, disclaimer, when we say that people that are having kids that should be having kids, we're not talking about anybody in particular. Because I No, even we're with not the, talking about our loved ones. Yeah. Our loved ones are our loved ones for a reason. We love them. Yeah. They're good people. And any of them that have had children or are planning on, 
that's a, that's okay. We're, I'm basically referring to the people that we know full well should not be having children. And they're not people yeah. that we know immediately or that we're like close to, you know, or friends and family and stuff like that. I was talking about there's just too many people out there that are having kids that shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, whether they can afford it or not or whether they are mentally capable of it or yeah. not. You know, how about their stability? Yeah. Mentally, financially, physically. No. There are people out there that are in, like, you know, bad physical health, and they're like, oh, I have to have a child. Well, it's going to wreck you even more than you're already wrecked. Yeah. No, you're, oh, yeah. But yeah. it's that important to or have it's a like, child. hey, mommy, mommy, watch me, watch me. Oh, God, I know, I know. Yeah, it's like you, you got to make time for them. But with that in mind, mm. you know, as far as my parents and how they dealt with that, like, again, me saying I saw RoboCop at 10, mm-hmm. and, again, me listening to metal music, like listening to like Cannibal Core or at like age 14, 15, like, you know, mom would pick me up from school and it's like, hey mom, can I play this? And I would have a tape and I put the cassette tape in and we're listening to Hammer Smashed Face by Cannibal Corpse. And <laughs> mom's, mom's reaction to that was, oh, I think I recognize this song. Do you practice this in the basement? And it's like, yes, I do. Because let's face it, the it's a very recognizable it, yeah, thing. Yeah. So it's like, da, 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 da. it's like, oh, is that Hammer Smash Face? It's like, yeah, it's, I'm instantly imagining Jim Carrey doing a dance while yeah. you, when you do that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so it's like, you know, like mom was involved with that. She, like yeah. she knew what I was watching, she knew what I was listening to, and helped put it into a, a context and talk to me about it. Like she knew that I knew that. Like, just because this guy is singing about, you know, smashing somebody's face with a hammer. Because, again, there's no gray area in that song. The song is actually about smashing somebody's face in with a hammer. There's, right. there's no gray area. Yeah. But, like, she knew that I just thought it was this outrageous thing, outrageous song. Kind of like a horror movie. It's like, you see, a, like, a horror movie where it's just, like, it's so over the top yeah. that it's almost funny. Like, yeah, I mean, and not to That's say that my this... horror movies, I'm a little like, yeah, I feel like if you've seen one, you've seen them all. The, yeah, the horror movies are just not a go to for me. Yeah, so plus, also, I'm very sensitive, yeah, and I don't feel like having something on my mind when I'm trying to go to sleep at night. Yeah, true. <laughs> but coming back to it, it's like she, she was involved and she had it was able to give put things into context and understand why I enjoyed it or why I was accessing it and she knew how I felt about things mm. like there, there was a student that I remember working with and he said that his favorite game was Mortal Kombat 10 mm. and it's just like is that the the really good one or am I thinking of 11 that's 11's good too but 10's the one that where you can play as the predator <laughs> is 10 the one that you downloaded for me maybe I don't know the one that I was like, whoa, this one is so brutal. It's definitely, 10 is I mean, definitely brutal. brutal. 10 is wicked brutal. The definitely. one that we have. Which one is the one that we have? We have 10, 11, and 9. Oh. And we have the classics, too, like 1, 2, and 3. Oh, I don't care about those. Yeah. It's either it's either 10 or 11. Then that Yeah, I'm but ten, 10 or 11 are super brutal. Like, yeah. you can see the details inside of a person's skull, kind of. Yeah. It's like, it's like, holy shit. And it, yeah. like, I remember asking, it was like, you're... It's like, your mom lets you play that game? Yeah. And his response was, uh, she just 
you know, lets me have her credit card, and I just get what I want on the PS PS4. And so and it's like, how old is this kid again? Fourth grade. And again, yeah. it's 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 not even that he's playing the game at that age. It's that his parents don't even know that he's playing it. Yeah. Or even access, in, investigate accessibility. Yeah, it's like they're just letting him get whatever he wants, and then he's not having any context for what's going on in the game. Yeah. And again. You know, it's it's not that playing that game is going to... Sammy? Is he just licking the bowl or... No, he was investigating the... Uh, the biscuits? The biscuits. The biscuits? Those biscuits are not for you, silly. So that's definitely my stance on that. So when it comes to all this, it's like, don't necessarily deny access. Just sit down and talk with your kids. Sit down and talk with your kids. That way it helps you gauge if they can handle... With certain situations and certain things, if you're if you're if you're having kids that you're not communicating with, and you're not finding out what's truly on their mind, then what's the whole point? What's the whole point of having kids? No, but you know what that actually kind of reminds me of. It kind of reminds me of um, growing up. One of my older my older sister, the one that's three years older than me. Um, I remember it was so easy for her to learn how to drive because I remember like my dad had this big old Ford truck and, and, and this, this illustration is going to come around to, you know, what you were just mentioning. So she was like 12, 13, 14 years old and he was already showing her how to drive the truck. All right. Awesome. (laughs) When I was 12, 13, 14 years old. No fucking way. No. And a part of me says, oh, is there some favoritism going on there or something or other? I don't know. But in another way, I think to myself, was I mature and responsible? Did they see in me that I could handle? Did my dad see in me that I could or could not handle being behind the wheel of a vehicle at that age versus my sister being able to handle it? She did a great job. She was slow, responsible, and he just had her dr- literally drive down a stretch of road that we lived on an old country bumpkin back road. And he probably literally let her drive from like our house to the stop sign was maybe like a hundred feet. <laughs> Something ridiculously, and a ridiculously small amount, but. No, if a parent can gauge if a child can do something like that, but then their other child, me, could not handle that. And so I wasn't even remotely allowed behind a car, behind the wheel until I was 16 with my permit. Then, no. Then bringing it around to this kind of topic, no. It's, it's, the, it's a matter of the parent communicating with the child and seeing if one child can handle, you know, certain stuff versus another if they can't. Uh, another coffee yeah. burp. Um, but yeah, a 12-year-old or a young kid being around, you know, playing like the morbid, uh, Mortal Kombat stuff is kind of, uh, to me, I would find that kind of questionable. But also, if that 12-year-old communicated with their parents and their parents found that it was okay that they could play it then sure whatever but if he just had accessibility to his parents credit cards and he could buy whatever without his parents knowing 
then that can present a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah, and... Because, again, it's a... Sorry, I'm stalling here for a moment. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I don't... Just because they're exposed to something at an earlier age doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to impact them in ways that parents might think. Yeah. And not to say that that stuff is not out there. Like, I... like. I definitely would not recommend sitting, letting a child watch, like, a Serbian film. I don't know if you've ever heard about that. I'm all set with yeah. that. I don't like, even want to watch it. No, yeah. No, I no. Re read about it on Wikipedia, and it's Me like, too. you know what? I am all set. Yeah. You know, I was like, I don't ever want to see it, but just because I feel that way doesn't mean that I should be making that decision for other people. And that's where the freedom comes into it, is we should be allowing more people to make their own decisions for for themselves, mm. I would say, even if they're younger at that age, because again, I understand like an image of like, you know, in a graphic novel, somebody blowing somebody is like, oh my god, they can't see that. But in the context of somebody's life story, because again, that book is a memoir and somebody coping with with those feelings, and it's like, okay, being transgender or dis discovering their identity, it's like I don't necessarily see that being as scarring as like some of the manga books that could also be accessed in a middle school or a high school because question yes can books be rated um no actually well well why me, not well here's rated is not the best term for it mm -hmm. um books are definitely put by age i mean obviously you've got juvenile you've got young adult and so, then you've got you know, general stacks. So there's a group of kids that go to the movies and they all try to get in to see an NC-17 movie and they're all 15 years old. They don't have a form of ID on them and they are turned away. Good, right? No. Eventually that'll, they'll get around to finding a way to watch that fucking movie anyways because kids always find a way if they want something that badly. But in the meantime, we have books... Um, books that might have questionable, questionable images in them, questionable stories, questionable material, questionable descriptions of things. And every age has access to them. How is that any better? So you're as, now you're asking me a librarian question. Yes. Which I am... So... You're welcome. Again, <laughs> Again, at, at its very core, that all comes back to freedom. Mm -hmm. And a librarian, or libraries in general, it is not a librarian's ethical position to take a parental role for the reader, regardless of their age. And here's what I mean by that. Like, all the... Because again... No, sorry, let me back up. The ALA... Uh, Bill of Rights, mm -hmm. you know, states that a person is allowed to read what they want to read, like as far as like information, entertainment, you know, like the I'm summarizing the statement, but it's like every every book their reader and every reader their book, basically, and that where that all where the ALA Bill of Rights basically came from was like World War Two when Nazis were burning books in Germany, and basically our country basically stated it's like. We don't want anything like that ever to happen over here. It's like, okay, they're burning books over there. They're prohibiting access to information. It's like, we need to put it into law 
that that can't happen over here. And I love that. So it's like, it's one thing to say you're allowed to like the things that you like, but it's another thing to say like, by law, no one can stop you from liking the things that you like. Mm -hmm. like, I, like I, as a librarian, I love that. Now, when it comes to content, um, what I think is about, all that stuff is readily available for anyone. So like if, hey, what is this book? You could go right to its record, like in the system. And if a book has to do with rape, it's gonna have it in its summary or its abstract. It's gonna have that word in there. So it's like, hey, can I check this book out? You can go, you can look on the back of the book jacket and read what it's about. You can go into the system and read. It's like, okay, what are its, what are its subject headings? You know, so it's like the information is there, but like, a rating is saying we don't think this is for this age group but it's not our role to say that it's the parents role the parent can look at the description the parent can look at the subject headings the title what's in the book and they can make that decision for the child if it's okay for them like which which I see I see your point in where all that's concerned but if we can't even have that kind of mindset when it comes to movie ratings um it would be it would be interesting if we had that kind of concept with movie ratings but that's not going to happen you know when it comes to movies and the and the choices that you know where or the parent can make the choice whether a child is you know would be good would be okay with like watching something or not or would it? <laughs> like, because do we want to have a child exposed to watching, say, that movie, a Serbian, a Serbian film? But let's switch back to books for a second. Do we think that is it? Although the idea of you know libraries and librarians not having to you know screen a screen a book and um, you know say whether it's suitable for a certain age or not. I can see where, you know, that's that's making things incredibly diverse, you know, a book for everyone, you know, anyone can read whatever they want to do. I think that's very diverse, that's very forward thinking in a huge way, but also in another way, it's possible that that could be an archaic way of thinking and it's time to revamp the, the librarian mentality in that there's just so much information out there that by making it readily available for any and all ages that that could make things questionable because parents are not always around to screen what their children are reading same as parents aren't always around to screen what the what their children are playing and watching so if there's plenty of books out there that could have questionable material when it comes to the the information that's given within whether it's images, whether whatever its content is, books can leave an impression on a child just as much as a game or a movie can. So isn't it potentially time to change the book mentality when it comes to children and provide some kind of a rating system for them? So here are my thoughts on that. First thing I wanna do is let's talk about the rating system itself like for, for movies, you know. I remember watching a documentary on that and the rating system is flawed. And not only is it flawed, but it's kind of a little corrupt too. And mm. we can talk about that. 
Well, that would probably potentially go back to my whole puritanical versus violence thing before. Here's, so to look at it in this context, most of the people, so when a movie gets a rating, Mm -hmm. you know, a movie gets sent to basically this private place, nobody's allowed in, and it's a bunch of people getting together, you know, to screen these movies and decide the rating for it. Okay. The people that make these decisions are the people that make the movies themselves. So it's like these people from these big companies that are actually putting those movies out there. And a lot of the times, um, a rating is decide, decided not because of what's actually going on in the movie, but because what the people that made the movie want it to do. And what I mean by that, like, have you ever noticed that... Like, nine times out of ten, the movies that win awards for Best Picture are rated R. Have you ever mm. noticed that? No. Like, you know, like, no. There Will Be Blood, rated R. No Country for Old Men, rated R. Pulp Fiction, rated R. Um, like, statistically, R-rated movies do better at awards. Um, in fact, the movie The King's mm. Speech actually saw this. This is a really interesting thing about The King's Speech. Mm-hmm. Um, they made a PG-13, I think, and again, I'd have to look it up to be sure, I I apologize if I'm getting my information crossed, but there was a PG-13 version Mm -hmm. of the King's Speech for theaters, so it was more accessible, and that's the other side of it too. Statistically, movies that are PG-13 do better in the box office, so it's like, look at all the Marvel movies, and they're all rated PG-13, but there's not necessarily any swearing in them. Because it invites in more children. Yeah. but for more movie tickets. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, why not make them PG? I mean, sure, there's a ton of action in them, but there's no, like, any moments of, like, real violence. There's no major swearing in those movies. Mm -hmm. Um the action in it is a little more defined, like people get rescued and stuff like that. So it's like, how come those movies aren't, how is it that like, okay, these movies are PG and these are PG 13. And it's, it's like, like the dark Knight is PG 13, but the, uh, or the new Batman movie is PG 13. And the new, the Batman definitely pushes the envelope on, on that. That movie very easily could have been an R rated movie. You talk about the Rob Pattinson one. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like with the whole, like, the Riddler taking on this sort of like Zodiac sort tor- sort of like, you know, persona. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how is it that that movie has the exact same rating as the first, like, um, like, oh, oh Winnie. <sighs> what I was going to say is, how is it that that movie has the exact same rating as the spike, the sp- Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> How is it that that movie has the same rating as the Spider-Man movies, you know? But coming back to the King's Speech, there was a version that was done for theater, so more people go see it. But then they shot that scene when he's practicing swearing, and they added that in, so that way they could have that for the the Oscars, basically. The scene where he's just like, fuck, fuck, motherfucker, fuck, and bollocks. (laughs) So already that on its own is a flawed system. Yeah. Um, and even that, it's like, as we've shown, as we've said, when it comes to ratings, I mean, you and I, we've seen RoboCop at a very young age. That did not stop us from accessing RoboCop, the fact that it was rated R. Like, we still saw it. So, a rating system, 
isn't necessarily going to stop people that might be too young for a subject from accessing materials. Yeah. Like, all it's going to do is kind of, like, help enforce, like, a preconceived, like, this is what we think this should be for you in a restrictive context. Now, obviously, in libraries, we have juvenile, young adult, and, like, general stacks. Yeah. But that's not done in a way to say, like, this is what we think you can handle. It's It's in a way that says, like, these books are more meant for you. Like, you are the audience for the for this book. Mm-hmm. You know, like, a young adult book, like, is going to be most beneficial in the hands of a young adult. Right. Um, a juvenile book is going to be most beneficial, you know, and when I say most beneficial, it's basically, like, what they're going through at the time. It could be, you know, for a juvenile, it could be something as simple as, you know, coping with bullies in school and how to, like, deal with bullies. Um, young adult, it could be, like, dealing with so- social pressures of drug use and stuff like that that are going on with their peers, you know, and, and so forth. So that's my feeling on that. Um, a rating system in a library wouldn't st- stop people. Like, people will find a way. Even this whole situation with those... People always find a way, like you said, with, like, games and with movies. Yeah. No, so, but at least to have something out there versus nothing at all. But, and... I know what you're saying about that, but I honestly feel like it would be just a band-aid. Like, the key to it is that no matter what, it's like, instead of trying to stop people from accessing it, sit down and talk to them. And, you know... What? You mean parents talking to children? Yeah. You mean there are some parents out there that actually do that? (laughs) Sorry, now I'm sounding facetious and I'm sounding like an asshole. And I know that... I know that there are plenty, I know that there are tons of really awesome parents out there, but, you know, the, there's plenty of shitty parents out there. There, there are. There, <sighs> and I think that comes to when you say, like... It's concerning. All right. Do we want to, do we want to talk about children, like, in general? Can we, so, can we just, like, get this out of our right, system so once and for all? Here's... <laughs> And first, like, if I could say this before we even get get started, I do want to say this. There, there are two friends of ours that just recently had a baby, and we are extremely happy for them. Over the moon. Like, it, so if, if you're, if you, you know who you are. If, if you're listening to this. <laughs> and congratulations. Congrats. Bravo. You you are not included in this conversation. We think no. it's absolutely amazing, and we, we are so happy for you both. It's awesome. We're generalizing about the people out there that... You know, whether you read about them in the news or whether they're a celebrity and they just don't deserve parenthood. No, there are just, there are people out there that are not near and dear to us. No, that we just see as, why? Why are you doing this? It's, coming back to like how you said us living in a puritanical society, Mm -hmm. we've also, we definitely live in a society where we have created... That's that almost like that social status goal of marriage, kids, house with picket fence, mm-hmm. money, which, yeah, we, we have a white picket fence. <laughs> yes, we do. And I um, love it. <laughs> but it's, I do feel that there's a lot of people out there that have children, mm. not because they want to have children and, and they want to have a parental role, pass something on, raise adults and carry on humanity basically i think there are a lot of people out there that have children as a status symbol yes two things for one 
Um, there's pe people have said it before. I don't remember who. Maybe even Tom Segura has said it. But some people have said that, like you know, having having a child it has got to be one of the most egotistical things you could ever do. Yeah. You know, having a little copy of yourself. Yeah. No, very egotistical. And I yeah. already forget what the other thing is that I was gonna say. But hate it when that happens. But if it comes to mind, please, please bring it up. But I, I agree with that too. Is that. It's that oh well, carry on humanity. It's like listen, that was we, the other thing. I it's was like people. There, there are so many people in the world. It's like, it's not a dire thing that it's like oh, we need to make more people. We don't need to make more people. And again, when I say that, if you want to have a parental role and you want to be able to pass something down. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying that it's like, just make sure that this is something that it's going to be your number one role. It's like, if you're going to become mm. a parent that comes before everything else, like mm. how you said, Oh, making time for your children. It's like, yes, because that's going to come before your job. It's like, you are going to be a parent before you are an employee. You're going to be a parent before you are a musician, an artist, um, somebody who likes to play video games, somebody who likes to do sports, exercise. It's like you're going to be a parent even before, honest, honestly, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, is that you're going to be a parent before you are even a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister. It's like, and it's kind of a weird thing to say that that's like, oh, that like your child would come before your own parents, but it's like, let's face it. It's like, because... You you can make decisions for yourself as an adult, but your child's not going to be able to like stand up for themselves or advocate for themselves in that way because they're still learning and they're still young. So, like, if you're going to do it, make sure it's 110 percent that it's in fact what you're going to want to do because you're creating a human being, mm -hmm. and a human being can be both good or bad, or good and bad, do good things and do bad things, and just make sure that's what something that you really want to do. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> there, there were some things that I, I finally thought of what I was going to say before. Um, how maybe people still have it in their head that by having a child, it helps them have the chance of having somebody to look at, you know, to look after them when they get older. Yep. yep. And that <laughs> drives me batshit crazy. You want to know why? Because that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> That is not going to happen um, because there are plenty of kids out there, such as myself, that am I looking after my parents? No. And there's plenty of other people out there that maybe they have, maybe they, maybe the kid is either an asshole or maybe the parents are assholes. Or maybe there's just like absolutely no uh, emotional connectivity. No, whatever it is, um, just because you have a kid doesn't mean that it doesn't guarantee that you you know they're going to look after you when you're when you get old. That's what uh, old folks' homes are for, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just fucking take care. If you can't take care of yourself and you're thinking that your kid is gonna take care of you, um, that's that's taking a huge gamble. Uh, you know. Oh, mm -hmm. let me let me see if I can have some kids in order to help. You know. 
uh, ensure and, that my elderly years are going yeah. to be set in stone. Now, and, maybe that still works in some other countries, maybe in the third world countries, that gives them, because they, you know, maybe in lacking in social security, lacking in elderly care, maybe those third world countries are the ones that are shitting out a bunch of kids and everything with the high hopes that those kids will look after them. Sure, whatever, that really sucks, because that means that, they, that those countries are just burgeoning with tons and tons of children, tons and tons of people, and it turns out it just stays a very poor country. But here in the U.S., let's focus on the U.S. We don't have that as an issue. We have Social Security, at least so far. 80 years later, we still have Social Security. Yeah. But as long as we have it, and as long as we are not a third world country, we shouldn't have to worry about having kids in order to ensure somebody to care for us when we turn into old farts. No, that's a, that's a, that's a very expensive gamble. Yep, and even if that is your gamble, what goes around comes around. Like, you know, the cat's in the cradle with the silver spoon. You Thank know, you. It's like yes. the guy in the song, you know, doesn't make time for his kid, and then yeah. when his kid becomes an adult, doesn't have time for him. Exactly. Um, here's a thought, too, and tell me if you agree with this on too. Like, the social notion of, like, the more children you have can help, like, be like a social status. Like, oh, I've got four children. Do you think that that also stems from, what, what's, the, what's the way that I want to say this? Do you think that that could also stem from a farmer's mentality? Like that sort of mentality yes. embedded in our culture? Because let's face it, if you're like going back to like Little House on the Prairie, it's like, oh, having five or six children. You're having five or six children because you need hands to help you. Yeah, that's, that's free end. labor. That's free labor yep. right there. I mean, even like, because um, my dad was raised in a farmer family. And it's like, how many, how many kids did, did he come from? Oh, go oh. ahead and drop my bag. No, no, don't worry. Hi, Sammy. Just my bag with my paperwork in it. That's okay. I'm trying to think of, I, I forget how many kids there are in my dad's family. It was one, two, three, four, five, six. Am I counting eight kids total with my dad? So that would have been a lot of, uh, free farm hands right there, you know, getting up even before the sun rises to, to get the animals out and, you know, milk the cows or whatever the fuck they were doing. But um, that's also even like French Canadian mentality too. You have a lot of old French Canadian families where they thought nothing at having like 15, 20 kids. Yeah. And, you know, free farm hands right there. But we don't have to worry about that thinking anymore. We don't need that many people. We don't need... How many... What Are we up to, what, 7 billion people in the yeah, world? Do we really need 7 billion people? We don't. Come on, yeah. you guys. We need to kind of trim it back a little bit. And, and the other mentality on that, too, because, again, going way back then, having, like, six or seven children, you know, with life expectancy being shorter. So it's like, if you're going to be dead in your 30s due to disease and... and Sammy! I'll be, I, that, that bag on the floor is going to drive me nuts. All right. I'm going to try... All right. Let's do a quick pause. We'll be right back. All right. And we are back. And Sorry. I've, oh. I've got a very fresh, large mug of iced coffee. So I am ready to go for round two <laughs> and fight <laughs> and i i'm actually switching over to hot coffee because we have a hot cup of coffee or a hot pot 
brewing yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sorry for the technical <clears throat> difficulties from a certain Sammy Sam. In fact, his tail is wagging. Mm -hmm. He's all about and all around. Yeah, they're feeling a little mm. sassy right now. All right. So <laughs> coming back to like freedom, access to information materials. Mm -hmm. Here's a question for you. What is something that you absolutely love that has that kind of history to it? Like something that made waves like, like, and I know we've been talking about, you know, communication with parents, but like, what's something that like... It is recording, right? Yeah. Right I'm there. just used to seeing it go a little <laughs> bit faster. It's like, did you... Did you compress it a lot or something? Here's what I did. It's and for crawling. people, so it's not crawling. What mm -hmm. I did is I zoomed out. So oh. okay, <laughs> so. I don't like that. I'm used okay. to seeing it the other way where you zoom where you zoom in. All right, so I tell you what, I'll mm. I'll zoom in now. Let's see if that helps. So there we go. Yay! So. Yeah, I like that a lot better. Okay. For anyone okay. listening, we're using Audacity and yeah, just using the zoom in and out feature. Okay, so back to your question. So my question is, what's something that like... Those two. Yeah, like <laughs> art, something. music, movies, mm -hmm. books, something that like ruffled... Thank you, Sammy. Mm. <laughs> something that ruffled feathers, mm -hmm. like, or even considering you said like your relationship and communication with your parents, mm -hmm. something that would have made your parents absolutely fucking like furious that you That liked. I liked it or yeah. had or anything like that. Well, definitely starting off with music. Um, in the musical realm, um, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Just think about the artwork alone. Yeah. The artwork, uh, the, the cover artwork um, made it huge... Um, questionable material and that is an album that I actually ended up owning a few times because um, one time it would be confiscated another time I threw it out because being raised in a religious home and everything was like guilty conscience it's like oh I bought it again and then it would just like you know burn in my mind that I owned it so I would get rid of it so um I had a problem with that one. Obviously, an album like Marilyn Manson, um, I never personally owned. Uh, one of my younger sisters owned it. Um, and I don't know how the hell she got away with that one. She definitely must have bought that one behind their backs. No, so, like, you know, growing up, it was owning questionable, questionable music. Um, I can't really think of any offhand, any like questionable movies that they would have been like, oh my God. Actually, I take it back. I remember once I got to like, you know, say like 18, 19 years of age, I remember I would like on occasion go out and rent some movies from the local, you know, Blockbuster or whatever there was. And I remember behind my parents' backs, that's how I watched Pulp Fiction for the first time. <laughs> and I was like, when it came to that part, that part. That part. I was like, oh, oh my God, I really hope that my dad doesn't come walking around the corner. <laughs> do, do, you know, that I, part. I actually watched that scene with mom and dad for the first time. Oh, we, that's, I don't even know what's worse. That's like, got to be worse. Like, I, we were all, we were all sitting down and watching that movie together for the first time. My face dropped. Oh, my God. And they're just like, almost kind of like. I almost like as an adult. <laughs> as an adult, I'm 
looking back on it, I almost feel like I got a vibe from them that was saying like, should we say something? It's like, don't say anything if you say, unless he says anything more. It's like, it's like, if he asks us what's going on, we'll talk to him about it. But if he doesn't say anything, yeah. then just let it be. And like, because yeah. I knew what was going on, but it was just kind of like I wasn't expecting that. It's like, oh, they're, oh, they're beating him up. They're giving him a black eye. It's like, oh, they're giving, they're not giving him a black eye. They're giving him a brown eye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so actually that I feel like that was something that I brought up with you just fairly recently was you know how cringy has it ever been for anyone come on listeners weigh in on this one how cringy is it to sit down and watch a rated R movie with your parent and a sex scene comes up how cringy is it to sit through a sex scene in a movie with your parents like watching watching it with your parents. Honestly, like I always wanted to just kind of melt into the sofa or whatever chair I was sitting in. I just wanted to melt into it and disappear. See, that's a <laughs> see that's a weird question for because again, I saw, I've seen a lot of R-rated movies with my parents like for the first time. Like mm-hmm. like mom actually took me to see Howard Stern's Private Parts Are like you in kidding theaters. Me? So like I actually <laughs> I actually watched the scene with the subwoofer with my mom in the theater. Um, oh so, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So different, but, different. Just we were raised differently. Yeah, but I guess like when it all comes down to it, it's like coming back to it's like okay, it's just a movie. It's just people acting. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to have a conversation. And that's kind of how it was. Because mm-hmm. like how you mentioned, like you never had that talk with your parents. I no. I never had that with mine either. But they I almost want to say like they at least knew that I knew and like I almost feel like that they were there for me if I had any questions okay like I felt like if I had any questions they would clarify things for me but no there were certain like there were certain I won't go into detail there were certain sketchy things that happened in my life that if I tried to confront as a question or as a statement to said parent they would just kind of like blanked out like they wouldn't even know how to how to they didn't know how to give me a response so that was the kind of support system i had yeah yay mm-hmm. boo so yeah and but also just kind of makes you wonder about the kids out there going back to the original topic that if there isn't that communication at home what can they handle Here's a question for and you. What too. should be access to them? In, in related to that scene in Pulp Fiction, was yeah. that your first time ever seeing or like understanding what a gimp was? <laughs> I think actually, after watching that, I still question what the hell was a gimp for many years. Okay. It took. There's just some things that don't quite click with me, or that take a long time, and it took a long time for me to figure out a gimp. Um, if there was anything that kind of helped me out with understanding a GIMP, it was the movie, um, and was it a GIMP or not? The movie 8mm. Yes. Was that a so, GIMP also? No. But, no, but, but before, but we, before we go any further, I do want to say this. Um, just covering bases, mm. if for any reason the word GIMP is now... And when I say now, I mean because, let's face it, that movie, when did Pulp Fiction come out? Oh, God, like 92, 93? Yeah. It, okay. Somewhere around there. Maybe 94. Anyways, it, it, it's, just a, it's pushing 30 years. Just because 
who knows what we, is offensive yep. nowadays if, or not. If for I don't any know. reason anybody listening, if gimp is now a derogatory term or anything. Tough shit. <laughs> We're using it in this podcast we, because we don't find it offensive. We are using it, but we're using it in a context that it's like, this is how we learned the word from a movie, and we're, we apologize that we're so vanilla, but if that's what you're... <laughs> hey, if that's what you're into, more support to you, just so long as nobody is hurting you outside of your safe word or anything like that. So, Babe, please... you are just way <laughs> too courteous. That's just... Hey... <laughs> Hey. Let's talk. Hey, 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 babe. Bring out the gimp. <laughs> <laughs> I think the gimp's asleep. Yeah. Well, you're um, just going to have to wake him so up now, aren't coming you? back to 8mm. <laughs> yes. The, I've always had a love-hate thing for that movie. I, yeah. That movie, actually, I find fascinating. So Terrible, but fascinating. So, like... In the and again when I say and again for all I know maybe the, the term gimp applies to both like and I apologize for not knowing for sure but like in the context of like what their fetish was I always like, was under the impression that a gimp was a sub yes thank okay. you or like or like a masochist or submissive like so again you know in Pulp Fiction they're keeping him in a we box gotta find out I'm gonna look thank it up you. Jamie. Jamie's gonna look it up now. Can we look it up, Jamie? Can we look yes, it up? Yes, absolutely. Like, what but is a you know, I mean, let, you look at the movie. They're keeping him in a box. They keep him on a leash. You know, forcing him on his hands and knees, and he's you know, he's tapping his fingers on his skull. Whereas in eight millimeter, like he is like, a, like a dom, but like a dom to the point, like, and a, a dom is not a murderer. Quiet! Oh, Jesus. Kiddos. You guys. Making me lose my, lose my train of thought. All right. Okay. Um, all right. According to Urban Dictionary, it does the word "gimp" does have um, a few, and this is according to Urban Dictionary. So take yep. it with a grain of salt, to a degree. There's a few different uh, definitions. The first one is a derogatory term for someone that is disabled or has a medical problem that results in physical impairment. Um, we might want to do a little more research on that and find out if that is in fact true. Um, the second definition is an insult implying that someone is incompetent, stupid, etc. can also be used to imply that the person is uncool or can't, won't do what everyone else is doing. Um, again, we'll, we can research if that's true or not. Third one, a sex slave or submissive usually male, as popularized by the movie Pulp Fiction. <laughs> all right? So we're not necessarily, well, we're not at all um, using the word gimp um, in a derogatory term because we are talking about the third definition that I just gave. So we're not, we're not out to offend anyone. Yeah. We're just using it as it's a, it's a noun. God you, damn saying it. Sex, <laughs> you saying sex slave just now just made me think of, he's going to make it his sex slave. We're going to goggle mayonnaise. Let's we bust a mess and must a mamma jam. Dude. We, we've been through so much shit. Deactivated ra lasers, lasers with my dick. Now it's time to blow this fucker down. Now we're going to stop right there so we don't get flagged. And then our whole... Podcast gets muted because it's pre-existing material. Sorry about that. Oh, that would suck. Considering we're we're kind of on fire with this one this morning, babe. So, so coming back to that character in Eight Millimeter. Oh, you know what's really helping me out with this podcast? 
is not only taking little notes, I have a little notepad here and I'm just like writing down a few things to help me uh, remember things because I don't know if anybody ever notices when listening to our podcasts, but um, I, I, I tend to just kind of like choke up a little bit here and there because uh, whatever is on my mind might not necessarily uh, come, come out of my mouth uh, the same way. It sounds better in my mind. Um, so I can, I'll end up sitting here with a little notepad and write down my thoughts before I forget them. But I'm also like, like scribbling, like little doodles and stuff. I've got little doodles going and everything. It, it's kind of helping my mind a little bit stay, uh, on topic. And you know, it's funny. I noticed that you were doing that and I will tell you this mm-hmm. without naming a specific name. But you know who also does that too when they talk? Gimps. <laughs> kidding. Who? Who does that? Um, Einstein. Einstein totally did this. I'll, I'll just say this. Where I went to for my internship. It didn't. Don't name the place. Don't name the place. Uh-huh. But where I went to for my internship, oh. who uh-huh. I was reaching out to regarding... Um, recommend recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that too. Really? Um, in fact, when I was sitting down with them for the first time, asking, "Hey, can I do my internship here?" And mm-hmm. when they were talking to me about it, when they were sitting down, they were doing exactly what you're doing right now with a little piece of paper and scribbling while talking about the place. Okay. So I, I just figured I would share that with you. That so, like, you doodling might be. Uh, practice of, of, of keeping <laughs> keeping the mind focused because the mind can be all over the place. Um, I have a hard I I do I don't know if you've noticed it before or I don't know if there's a certain name for it. I don't know what it is, but sometimes I can't. Sometimes I have a hard time like calming my mind and staying to one topic. That's why when it comes to our podcasts. I could end up jumping all over the place because I'm jumping at one topic, but then it reminds me of another thing, and then that one other thing, oh, then I start thinking of another thing, and it just, then it goes haywire. And then then the whole entire podcast loses uh, any kind of organization. It, and you know what? I mean, maybe it's just practice. Because, like, yeah, I... Yeah. Because, I mean, I like talking about stuff, and we're talking about stuff, and so for me, it's just like, hey, we're talking about stuff. This kind of reminds me of a kite string, what I'm drawing. Yeah. Oh, nice. It almost, you know, like the kite, you have like, if you had a big giant triangular kite up here, then you would have its string with like the little triangles and stuff like that, little flags and everything. That's what it reminds me of. Nice. Yeah. So you know what that's telling me? Go fly a kite. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anywho. All right. Back to the topic. We were talking about gimps. <laughs> or you know maybe even to be if we want to be super safe doms and subs how about that uh, yes. B- right. so, BDSM yeah so coming back to that in fact I remember that I think it was called Machine in the movie and basically like he is definitely a dom but obviously a dom isn't a murderer though too so mm-hmm. like in that context I mean it's like a warped criminalized version of, of a dom because obviously a dom will respect the needs of a client and you know respect safe words and stuff like that and that's obviously not what that si- situation in that movie was about it was about a, 
the guy getting his kicks off of killing somebody. Yeah, which, snuff films. Yeah, snuff films. So, like, I don't even know if maybe even Dom would be the correct word for that. Maybe maybe just murderer is just the, the only appropriate, appropriate term for that. Because, again... Well, it, yeah. how about if we, like, look up the definition, or rather the, the description of the movie itself? Can do that, and here's another one, too. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific term for somebody who gets a sexual thrill out of murdering somebody? Yeah. Like, is there a... Or if, if that's too dark of a road, we can... Oh, no, you, yeah. no you, now you just had me thinking about snuff films. Yeah. I mean, snuff films obviously must be must have been made for... Not, not for a reason, but for a demographic of people that do yep. have that kind of uh, rather sick interest. Let's see. All right. Private detective Tom Wells, played by Nicolas Cage, lives normal life with his wife, played by Catherine Keener, and young daughter until he receives a startling new case. A widow, played by Myra Carter, has found what appears to be a snuff film among her late husband's belongings, and he wants, and she wants Nicolas Cage to determine if the movie is real or fake. So Nick Cage heads to California where a video store employee, and I'll always remember this, the video store employee is played by uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Yep, and that's like one of the first times that I recall seeing him in something. Quiet! Winnie! Um, Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix helps him infiltrate the dangerous and depraved world of illegal porn movies. So... What question were we... So here's one, if you're on Wikipedia, you could go down to is see if there's a list of characters, like a cast of characters, like on that page. Well, that's better for uh, IMDb. But, well, it's not going to have a description of the character on IMDb, though, would it? Maybe. Or at least, like, give the give the character a name. Well, it, he has a name in the It's a machine. Okay, so let me go to the Wikipedia um, film, then... Uh, the description through wiki. Let's see. Uh, plot or synopsis. Plot. Let's see. Uh, it's not film. Uh, now it's kind of put me in the mood actually to watch it. Mm. Um, girl, North Carolina. Search the house. Hollywood film star. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix's um, character's name is Max California. <laughs> Interesting name. Um, sounds fake. Are we still recording? Yes, we are. are we having, fact, we're having a little bit of dead silence here. In fact, I'm, no, it's not dead silence. You're talking. Okay. I am going to do a quick little search on myself because I have... Mm-hmm. Fetish pornography. Uh, Eddie Poole. Wasn't Eddie Poole played by, um, was it, uh, what was his name, Tony Soprano there? Yes. Um, um, James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. I, I kind of forget in a way that he was in it. Um, all right. Leads him to director Dino Velvet, whose violent pornographic films. Oh, yeah, that was played by uh, Peter Stormare, right? Yep. Yes, fact, that's I, right. I, A masked man known as Machine Who Rapes and Tortures Women. To gain more evidence, um, Nick Cage pretends to be a client interested in commissioning a hardcore BDSM film to be directed by Velvet and starring The Machine. The Machine. <laughs> I'm no, The Machine. Yeah, not that not Machine. Bert, not, not Bert no, Kreischer. Definitely no. not Bert Kreischer. <laughs> um, I, I found a description of Machine on the search that I did. Okay. A, a sadistic psychopath. <laughs> That's it? 
No, but not a, like a clinical definition, but just a, a, a different wiki page that dealing with that movie. So I guess that's just what, maybe that's what he is. <laughs> but I would just think that there would be a, like more of a description as to, you know, why dressed up like that, or just like right. a so, sadistic dom. Yeah. Um, a murderous dom. A murderous dom. Yeah. There you go. And again, not not shaming on doms, because again, doms do not do that. Um, or it's not a dom thing. But um, one last thing about 8mm that I loved. I loved at towards the end of the movie when Nick Cage goes hunting for him and finds his room and there's a Danzig poster on the wall in the background. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like, holy shit, he's a Danzig fan. I'm a Danzig fan too. So he plays, this guy here, here Chris Bauer, plays the machine. Yep. Plays machine. And yep. why... Why am I thinking that he's the same guy that was in, was it, what movie was it where at the beginning, oh, Devil's Advocate, was he the guy in the courtroom? That I don't you know. You know who I'm would, talking yeah, about, no, right? I, yeah. The guy that's a, accused by the young girl. Honestly, I thought he was Little John from Robin Hood, Men in Tights. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you because know, again, Machine is a big guy in, in Men in Tights, that guy was a big guy. I, he was. <laughs> He, yep, he was a devil's advocate. Oh, shit, was he in... <laughs> was he was he... also in Face Off. Oh, shit. Interesting. Was he in but, Men in Tights? Uh, when in, when did that come out? Early 90s? No. Yeah, like, er, like really, really early 90s, I would say. No, the earliest thing okay. that he was in was back in 97. Okay, all right, never mind then. Yeah. So, different guy, different guy. That, but I can't believe I called out on devil's advocate. That's awesome. Ha um, <laughs> ha. Staying on the subject of snuff films, because mm. you talking about this and then the whole subject of like in the movie, is it real, is it not? Yeah. I think we've already had this conversation before, but have you ever seen Nine Inch Nails's X-Files? No. Okay. So. In fact, I don't even know what that is. All right. So I will say flat out, like I, after doing some research on it. It's fake. It is fake. And I actually think you can find at least portions of it on YouTube now. Which, obviously, like, if it's if it was real, there's no way that it would end up on YouTube. So, hmm. um, I remember seeing this back in college my first year. And this was before I went through all my crazy shit that I talked about in episode two of our podcast. So I was still being a little too irresponsible, partying party partying and friends we went over uh friend of a friend's place group of friends hanging out with a friend of a friend mm -hmm. and he was kind of like hey do you want to watch the x-files it's like what's that oh it's like oh it's this nine inch nails like video compilation but it's intertwined with this guy kidnapping kidnapping this marine and then he like tortures him and then murders him at the end and the way that it was shot, the film was so grainy and so, like, VHS home quality that it was hard to see. Yeah. Like, it was so convincing. It's like, holy fucking shit. And what, what it was is uh, the, the climax of it, if you will, where he actually kills the guy, was done to the song uh, Gave Up, um, mm. which, is, uh, which is on uh, Nine Inch Nails' Broken. Okay. really cool song but honestly ever since watching that every time I hear that song gave up I just associate it with that and it makes me a little unco uncomfortable yeah. but it's it's a fucking rad song the real music video for that in fact mm -hmm. the real music video for that was or when I say the real I mean like the official released one 
um, Trent Reznor filmed it in Sharon Tate's basement because mm-hmm. I think he turned, bought it and turned it into a studio. He filmed it in Sharon Tate's basement, and the guitar players in that music video are the singer of Filter, and the other guitar player was Marilyn Manson before he was ever a thing. You mean Robert Patrick's brother, Richard? Yep, Robert Patrick's really? brother and, <laughs> and Brian Warner on, on guitar. No makeup, no, no anything. No shit. Just, it was just a guitar you mean, you mean the kid from uh, Wonder Years? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always got a kick out of that speculation. Yep. And no, it's not true, obviously. Yep. But we love to joke about it. <laughs> yeah, what watching... Yeah, watching that, and of course, we, it's like, hey, you want to get high? And we all got high, and here I am, high as balls, watching mm-hmm. somebody, like, thinking in my head, I'm watching somebody being murdered. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, intertwined with real Nine Inch Nails videos, and the real video, Uncensored for Happiness and Slavery, which I don't know if you've ever seen that music video. Mm, but I don't think so, no. Um, but that one's <clears throat> pretty brutal, too. Um, Despite and... being raised on Nine Inch Nails, there's plenty of Nine Inch Nails that I haven't listened to, and plenty of videos that I have not watched. Yeah, I mean, it's... I was pretty much like a like a like a like a radio friendly. It's honestly Nine Inch like Nails fan. Nine Inch Nails is kind of impressive because they were such a success, like with MTV, like uh, closer got played on MTV like all the time. That mm. music video, like they definitely. Gained popularity. And <laughs> they gained... censored the shit out. Oh, of they it. totally did, and I understand why. <laughs> yeah. But but it's like some yeah. a, a group that had such a level of like like dealing with stuff like that, and then they made it into like pop culture, and it's yeah. kind of it's it's kind of crazy that a band that would make a music video for Happiness and Slavery, where a guy sits in a chair and has his penis ripped off and his balls flattened with a thing. Uh, yep, 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 I don't yep. even have a penis and I'm cringing. Yep. Uh, woo. T- to, like, be this big thing, you know, and it's like, oh, I love that song Closer. I want to fuck you like an animal. Yeah. It's, so it's, like, I, I like, fr- from an artist's point of view, I mean, that's very impressive to be that, like, like on that level where you're dealing with things like that and mm. actually, like, like having some sort of stature in pop culture, but anywho, just thinking about like uh, when it comes to here, here's like topical. You mentioning like watching videos or movies that where like people are like mutilated or any kind of pain or you know anything grossness, anything like that happens. <clears throat> I will state for the record, in case you haven't known this already. I do not find that kind of film entertaining. No. If I like any kind of films out there that depict any kind of like human human pain, uh, you know, cutting off of limbs and mutilation, a person screaming in agony over something, I do not find it remotely entertaining. It's not my uh, film watching of choice. I... I'm all set with that. Any movies that depict rape. Uh, is not entertainment for me. That can be triggering. Um, yep. All set. Yeah. It's it's weird for me, but I definitely feel like what I... I don't want to say what I can handle. I, I don't want to use that term, but I guess, like, I guess you could say my tastes or my desensitization or what have you. Mm. I definitely feel like it's changed with age, and I do think that it has changed since I've met you. Really? Like... I mean, again, like, as a teenager, I mean, I was watching, like, 
super violent anime and stuff like that. Like, I like, don't like I, anime. Like, it doesn't I, do anything for me. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, I like watching like Devil Man and Geno. Oh. Oh, Quiet. Oh my goodness. I wonder if it's the woodchuck. Woodchuck, cat, human, uh, a mosquito potentially farted. Possibly. I bet you a mosquito <laughs> farted. That definitely sets off with yep. me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was saying, Devilman, Genocyber. Uh, if you've never seen Genocyber, Genocyber is extremely mean-spirited. And they get away yeah. with a lot of stuff that, like, yeah, as an adult, uh, like, I watched it and, like, I enjoyed it on that, on a level younger but as an adult it's like you know what stuff like that's not not for me anymore mm. like i and, like i've mentioned to you before i just feel like there's a lot of film out there that at least for me it, there are some people out there that they can was that oh that was, was the, ice, the machine. ice machine okay yeah. <laughs> um there can be violent film out there that you know that there could be people that just take watching it with a grain of salt and People comes in all people come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and mentalities. And for me, um, there have been films out there that I have watched that um, have just been in one way or another so like they 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 didn't they didn't do any irreparable damage. I'm not like oh my god, I need to go see a doctor for this, but. No, they just they contain some kind of element, some kind of content, some kind of content that has stuck with me all of these years. And some people will laugh and be like, "Really? That stuck with you all of these years?" But you know what? That fucking movie, The Ring, will always stick with me. <laughs> oh, I just threw my pen. Oh, that movie, I'll still remember. Can we talk about The Ring for sure. a couple of minutes? Yeah, sure. I need to get this out, and I need to get this out to all of the listeners. That movie will for and I own it too. All right, I'm putting that out there, and I own the second one too. So I have the, and I think I might even have the Grudge, which I put them in like a similar strain because you have like you know girls with long hair in front of their faces doing jerky movements, and you have the Grudge, uh, you know, making yeah. sounds and shit. But the Ring, um, let's go back to when it came out. That movie came out in what like 2001, 2002. I was still living in Florida. All right, so I was with my ex, and I remember um, a sister of mine told me that they went to the movie theater alone to see that movie. They went alone, purportedly. <laughs> Maybe they were lying. But anyways, that's a different topic. Um, and so they're like, oh, you have to see it. It's so scary. It's so interesting, and blah, blah, blah. So what do I do? Rent it. So... The ex and I watch it, and like within like, okay, I'm pretty sure that 20 years later, anybody that's listening has watched that movie at least once in their lives. So, uh, spoilers for what it's worth. So, like within like the first, what, five, ten minutes, you have the two girls right at the beginning, and um, the girl, like as soon as she opens the door, because there's like water and everything, she opens the door and her face just like darkens right up because she's looking at the TV and the high pitched sound comes in. From that moment, I swear, like I remember my ex and I, we were just like, we, we had a TV in our bedroom. So we're just watching it in bed and that sound, the sound, the high pitched sound and the look on her face where like her face just darkened right up because she was just shriveling up and dying right in front of you. Uh, we just both went, 
point we just like pulled the blanket over our heads. We were just so petrified at that moment. And so, you know, proceed, proceed, you know, further into the movie. Then you have the shot where it's the funeral and the mom of the daughter is talking to the other mom or whoever. And she's like, they found her in the closet. And they and open the closet. Yep. And her head, and it's like, she's there. And I think even... Don't quote me on it, and I don't feel like watching it right now, but I feel like in my memory that when they pan to that shot of finding her in the closet, that her that the girl's head moved. Like it was either like back looking up. I think so, yeah. And then it moved forward or opposite or something like that. I think it did it move? I think so. Again, Maybe. I it's it's been years since I've seen it. But either way. Yeah. I'll never get that out of my head. And of course, let's get to like the quintessential parts where like the 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 baby daddy there, um, Naomi yep. Watts is, you know, her the baby daddy. The baby anyway, daddy. I forget yeah. his name. I want to call him Noah something or other. But anyways, when he bites it, so he's in his industrial apartment and everything, and, you know, he's just, like, you know, looking at the, you know, something or other, VHS, TVs, and all that shit, and then suddenly his TV screen comes on. She comes crawling on out of that, and she's just, you know, all wet pajamas and shit, and she's just creeping forward, and then she stands up, and then it just, like, jerks her forward, and he's like, blah, and he just, like, falls back in his chair, and then when he screams out, and then he get then they find when she when Naomi Watts comes in later and she turns around the chair and finds him and his face is all kinds of fucked up that'll stick with me forever the girl Samara her you know when they when they pan in on her face and the hair just parts ways and she has that yep. ugly look on her face then all of that movie will forever in a day just stick in my head so you know what so let's go back again to Florida. So after we experienced, after the ex and I experienced watching that movie, I had the heart, I had to put a sheet or a blanket literally over the TV in the bedroom for weeks in order to sleep at night. In order to sleep at night, I needed to have the light on my nightstand on. I could not sleep in the dark. And whenever I needed to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, he needed to get up with me. He hmm. needed to get up with me and turn on lights for me in order for me to go to the bathroom. Because I felt like she was, like that girl was hiding around every corner. So when it comes to scary movies, that's how much movies can affect me. And you know what? Let's flash. Let's 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 come forward now to the year 2023. And you want to know something? If I have to get up in the middle of the night, I have to completely blank out my brain in order to leave the bedroom and go to the bathroom. Um, because I feel like if I opened my mind and think about her and that movie, when I open the bedroom door, she's going to be standing right there looking at me. Isn't that fucked up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and now anybody that's listening to this is like, whoa, <laughs> that yeah. girl's got some issues. Like, no, I just chalk it up to... Um, some people are more sensitive than others and some things affect people more than others. Yeah. So scary film affects me. 
I don't like it. I don't like... There are certain psychological movies out there that I'm okay with watching. Um, but then there are other ones like this, like the like a scary movie like that. Movies that involve like jerky movements and stuff that can be uh, film-wise very convincing nowadays, very disturbing. But go figure. If it if it comes if you if I have to sit down and watch a scary movie, I'm perfectly fine with watching The Exorcist. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with the omen. I'm perfectly fine with them because I do see them. I view them as being um, Hollywood elite. Um, they, they're those movies are untouchable. Uh, they're they're um, classics. Yes, yeah. they are classics. So if you have a classic horror movie, I may even sit. To, I've watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre before. I might even own it. No, because I'm okay with it because it is a cult classic. It's a, it's a classic film. I'm okay with it. But something that's come out within the past, like, 20 years? Uh, no. No. You know, like, like remember, like, Hostel? Um, yes. Hostel and even the Saw movies. Yeah. <laughs> after the first one, I mean, all of the Saw movies are disturbing and everything, but after the first one, ugh, no, I'm all set with that. And Hostel, I definitely watched the first one. I think I saw the second one. I forget how many there are of those, but it's like, now you just have, like, humans being mutilated. It's not necessary, and it's not, I'm venting. I'm venting big time right now. But it's not, it's not entertaining. I don't find myself entertained by watching that. I find it disturbing, and then it's stuff that I can't scrub from my mind. Uh, all right. <laughs> weigh in on this, right, Peter, so please. <laughs> so, coming back to what I said, like me getting becoming more sen sensitive to things, like the older I get. So, mm. when I having said that, yeah. that does not mean that I don't enjoy a good horror movie or a good horror story. Yeah. Perfect example is. Um, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix. That was so great. Uh, especially that episode with uh, coming back Peter Weller, Robocop in the view. Was it the viewing? That was so I'm trying good. to remember which one that was. That was I'm only one... remembering the one where uh, there was the storage space. That was the first one. Yeah, yeah. I don't. The, everything the else one with Peter good. Weller, and again, I'm going to say this right now. If you haven't watched Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix and Do you haven't it. seen the episode of the viewing. Please stop listening to this right now and go watch it because it is awesome. Mm. Um, but it's the one where it's like in the 1970s, Peter Weller is like the super duper like ultra billionaire. And he has all these people come in as guests. One of them is, a, excuse me, is that comedian? Eric Andre? He's got, mm. he's got the fro. Okay. Um, he's in those memes, the let me in, let me in. And that other meme is like him shooting the guy in the chair and looking over. Oh my God! Look at what society did to him. Yes. Yeah, so, yep, that's Eric. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> he's there. Um, so it's like he invites all these people. One is like a a physicist. One is Eric Andre's character, who's like this brilliant genius, like music producer, mm -hmm. um, this famous writer. Um, there was an, I can't remember all the characters, but basically, like he invites them over, and he's intr introducing them to all these like super hoity-toity, like look at how powerful and rich I am, like giving them like this the super rare like brandy or whiskey to drink um this super duper like special cocaine 
like just like get a party music like here's a recording here this recording isn't even available like i own it and it's not available to the public like and like it's just like you really got i really can't wait to show you this thing like he just wants them all hopped up on drugs and feeling good and having a really nice party before he shows them this thing that he found mm -hmm. and then they go into this room and it's like this meteorite and then it opens up and it ends up taking over peter weller and he turns into that monster and it's a little nod to robocop and he goes Help me. Oh, you know, what happens at the end of that one? He basically turns into this f wicked fucked up gooey creature. He makes it out of a sewer vent and he makes it into the city. And that's that's how it ends. But oh. but again, like, you watch that and it's like, it's it's scary. But mm. it's like, holy shit, what a good story. And the build-up, like, the, the build-up gets an A+. Because you're like, what the fuck is he going to show them? Yeah. And I love... here. Here's something that I actually like from a horror story, too. Not only do I like it when at least one person survives, but I actually like it when a group of people survive. So it's not just like you're not you're not setting up your story where it's like you're seeing a character is like oh well they're going to die so why even get attached to them? Like that's one of the reasons why I love uh, Aliens because it's not just Ripley that gets out. Hicks gets out too. Technically Bishop gets out too. Mm. Um, like Nightmare on Elm Street three like. There's a group of kids that that make it at the end. Granted, they die in the next one, but <laughs> but like I spoilers. like that. Yeah, spoilers. But like I like that. Like I like it when a story is not about the body count. It's about the story. It's like you don't have to kill everybody in the movie to make it scarier. Like I like it that the two the two of them the the physicist and Eric Andre's character get out at the end. And I but I love it like on their way out. Even though it's like, we got to get the fuck out of here. He takes five quick seconds. Hold on, hold on. And he gets like one last scoop of cocaine and he puts it in his gums and then he runs out. <laughs> because priorities. It's like, it's like I'm sorry, but the cocaine was that good. Yeah. And then he does that. They both get in the car. They drive off and they get out of there. And he looks at her at the end. And he's like, Jesus Christ, did that just fucking happen? And it was like, <laughs> and, and then it ends like that. And I like it when people get out. Because it's honestly, I think it... In, involves the the viewer more when it's like okay maybe more of them are going to get out than i think because if you're thinking like oh well they're all going to die then it's you're basically like you, you've already figured out the movie but yeah i definitely do like horror movies but like i don't like it when it's just non-stop blood like, gore and it's just like nonsensical how he, like how he came back to like mean-spirited like yeah like i remember watching the movie uh, hobo with a shotgun didn't enjoy it at all. Just, it's completely mean-spirited, like, bully mentality, like, for shock value. And it doesn't seem to, like, go anywhere with that. Yeah, I never you watched know, it. I'm all set. It, like, I, it, it didn't do anything for me. Coming mm. back to when you were talking about uh, uh, Hostel, mm. um, it's definitely a gratuitous movie, and I cannot understand. But one thing that saved the movie for me was the escape. And what I mean by that is like, there's the one character that gets away, but getting to experience him getting out with him, like made me enjoy the movie. So it's like, he was able to get out of his chamber. He put on clothes to make himself look like he was one of the clients. And then he's talking with the client. Like, oh, don't you just love it here? It's like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like his, like him navigating through. And then you kind of get to experience this fucked up place from different aspects. And it's like the clients, the 
the rooms, and it's just, like, him, like, navigating his way out, like, that I did enjoy. Mm-hmm. And coming back to the Saw movies, mm-hmm. I did, like, the interconnectivity of them. Like, again, spoiler, it's again, like, I loved watching part four, and then you don't realize until the very end that part four is happening at the exact same time as part three. Oh. Like, you actually get to see, like... Like, five minutes after the end of part three, at the end of part four. You're like, holy mm. shit, this has been going on during this this entire time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like stuff like that. So, like, I mean, again, and eventually, like, the twists in those movies did go stale, but I liked... Which one was it that Chester Bennington was in? Oh, shit, I don't... Was that the fifth one? Because uh, like, I, I forget how many there are. I, I don't know. But I do remember liking five. Because mm. I like the thing at the end with the room. <laughs> It's like if you get into the this cops, yeah, the... they were going around a room, almost like a, almost like a maze. I... Did it almost seem like a maze? Maybe. Or... Maybe I'm getting myself confused. Yeah, or but else. like, so those movies definitely do have, like, qu- qualities about them that I did enjoy, and I think yeah. that whole like mystery and the twists did help it along. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not enjoy the final chapter. It was at that point, it was just stale. Yeah. But. But yeah, if, if you can tell me a good story, I will enjoy your horror movie. Like, mm. Exorcist 3. I mean, you know I, I love know that's one of that your movie. Favorites. Like, yeah. Brad, Brad Dourif and George C. Scott and, you know, just all that. You know, and just, like, the, the mystery leading up to it. And it's like, you know, he's going to, oh, so the fingerprints on this victim match the fingerprints of the priest, right? And they're like, look at each other. And then he's like sitting there, two people committed these murders? And it's just like, ooh. Mm. And of course... uh that hallway scene. Oh, that's so unnerving. <laughs> I fucking, <sighs> I fucking love that hallway scene. If you've never oh. seen the movie, go see the movie. Or at the very least, go on YouTube right now and Google, or not Google, go on YouTube and search Exorcist 3 hallway scene. Oh, and God. like, even though it was never a movie that was like completely popular, it's still on like, if you go on YouTube and like look at top ten scariest mo- moments in horror movies, mm-hmm. it's it's on there. It is. Um, honestly, I do think that the Paranormal Activity movies owe a lot to that, just because that anticipation and that single shot where you mm. get to see everything and you're like, why are they, why are they lingering on this shot? Like, what am I looking for? And that anticipation, you know. Paranormal Activity. Why do I feel like you and I was it with some some. Like people that we used to know that we went to like a a small, we did like a small marathon Maybe. of some of them. Maybe. I feel like I did that I, with you with somebody that I there feel was like, like a small marathon of paranormal activity movies that we went through. I feel and like it's actually really good. Yeah, I feel like we <sighs> watched two together mm-hmm. with a group. Yeah, three I really liked. Three I think was supposed to be a prequel maybe, but I definitely enjoyed three. Mm-hmm. Um, four definitely has some creepy moments in it. Mm-hmm. Like, and the concept of it, I do like. I, mm-hmm. Like, I do think, like, the whole handheld thing, I know, like, the handheld genre is, like, totally, like, but, like... That reminds me. Hey, I got a true confession for you. Okay. I have never, ever, ever seen Bear, uh, the Blair Witch Project. Really? Nope. Never. And guess what? I'm not interested. <laughs> There. I just had to put that out there. (laughs) I I liked it. Yeah. I mean, 
if the movie came out today after all the handheld movies have been out, it probably wouldn't have the same effect. But no, but it was, I know that I realized that it was pretty, pretty much the first of its kind, yeah. right? And so that kind of helped. Yeah, and they definitely did a good job with it. Things that are done in the movie are tastefully done. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes it's hard to see things because it's, you know, handheld camera, but I think that adds to it. Um, another good handheld movie that, that I like too. Did we watch... Uh, the last exorcism together. I feel like I have. Yeah. When did that come out? That was a cool movie. I um, feel like I did. And who was in that? I don't even remember who's Let me in look it. Look that up while you're talking about but it. But the, the plot of the movie is basically like the term "the last exorcism." Mm-hmm. The main character is a priest, or basically he performs exorcisms, and then his son gets sick, or like something happens to his son, and doctors help him, and then he realizes there. He realized in that moment that by him performing exorcisms, he was interfering with people that might need medical attention. So he ends up deciding, you know what, I am not going to do this anymore. But if I am going to do it, I'm going to show how I've been bullshitting everybody. And so like this video that I'm shooting now, this is going to be my last exorcism. And that's where I feel like I did watch that with you, but like the entire context of it is lost on me. But just looking up... Uh, Google images of it. it. It's definitely ringing some bells. Yeah. I, okay. I definitely like that one. Um, and I definitely recommend it if you do like those horror movie handheld movies. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, slightly switching gears. I feel like it's a movie that you and I have watched within the past year or two. Um, there was this movie that we watched... And I can't remember any faces. I feel like there was maybe like a, a familiar, maybe like um, uh, Reese, I forget how you pronounce his last name. The man that was in House of House of the Dragon as the father, Reese uh, Reese oh, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I know Wasn't what you mean. Wasn't there like a, like a scary movie where there was him, there were, there were, he had daughters. It looks like it took place back in like, uh, the 16 or 1700s early early America um, kind of feel to it and like the youngest daughter or something like that ended up being like a witch or uh, there was something wrong with her does any of that sound familiar was, to you? it does was, was it haunting in Connecticut or I don't think so or something like that um, he was in a movie, I think it was called, like, The Cry of the Owl. Did you ever see that? Um, I wonder if that's the movie that you're talking about? It's, it's not, because it doesn't take place that far back then. Like, it takes place in, like, now. Um, and Juliette Lewis was in it. Mm. Um, but that's a really good Hitchcockian-esque movie. Like yeah, if no, this, was, this was a movie that felt like it would... Let me see. I'm just looking up what he's been in fairly in, in recent years. just feel like it was something that I could have sworn maybe he was in and that he played the father. Ugh, this is going to drive me nuts. But, yeah, th- that's a movie I think we could watch together, though. I, th- I think it's called the, the Cry of the Owl or The Call of the Owl. Um, Let me look that up. The Call of the Owl? Or, like, try Cry of the Owl. The Cry of the... Owl. It's a 2009 film, and uh, Julia Stiles is at it. Yeah. 
Um, no, no, that's it, not Juliet Lewis, Julia Stiles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fleeing New York City, a, fa- a failed marriage and a fragile mental history. Artist Robert Forrester, played by Patty Considine. Oh. Oh, am I getting my people mixed yep. up? Moves oh. to small town Pennsylvania. Yeah, you remember him as House of the Dragon, yep. ironically. Oh, the, the other guy, yep. Rice Evans, was the guy that played the hand, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so... Do you know oh. now what I'm talking about? The guy that was in Notting Hill. Yeah. 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 I, I'm not. Sh- I'm still not sure about the specific movie. It wasn't The Witch, because that guy. Ooh. But, but no. But that actor, it, Rice, wasn't in that movie though. That guy. But let me just look up that because I just need to know. Because because that actor that played that father mm-hmm. was in was actually in the Willow TV show. As the knight at the beginning that gets possessed. Yeah, that's the movie that you're talking about. It is The Witch. Okay. Yeah, okay. So it wasn't Risa Fon, so yeah. I'm sorry I got myself confused on that one. But yeah, because the daughter, that daughter, she was the one that was in The Queen's Gambit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And this was actually, I think this is one of her early films. Yeah. The, uh, but, uh, was but The Witch. Coming back to Patty Constantine, he was the king in House of the Dragon, right? Yes, yep. and he is fucking awesome. Yeah, and you know it's and you know he was in Hot Fuzz too, right? Yes, yep. which I feel like I feel like I need to I need to watch that again sometime. I, I soon. fucking love that movie. <laughs> is that the one where they're jumping over the fence and that outrageous, awesome music yep. is? <laughs> and he's in there. He's like, Angel, don't go being a twat now. Yeah, no, I... I freaking love that. Yeah. I feel like, you know what? I feel like nowadays 90% of at least like the U.S. population um, has their cell phones on vibrate. um, And it's only like the older generation that actually uses ringtones anymore because they can't fucking hear. And so they have like all it and they don't even download anything awesome. They just use the fucking default ringtones. <laughs> and they're so loud. But anyways, um if I actually used ringtones, I would totally want to have that as my ringtone. Yes. It's just the best. And I, I'm just gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna say this right now. Mm-hmm. That movie's better than Shaun of the Dead. Like, I, I mean, think, I don't I think get me we wrong. Should watch it sometime. Like, I, I love. I love Shaun of the Dead, but like, is Shaun uh, of the Dead the one where they, like all of the old people are in the town, like like shooting everybody up, or is that Hot Fuzz? That's Hot Fuzz. Shaun, okay. of, the, Shaun of the Dead is the zombie one. And I'm getting yeah. them confused. Because again, they're so. Because again, they're technically they, they people count them as like a trilogy. They call it was the the Cornetto trilogy because in the three the movies, the, the third one was uh, the World's End. Did I ever see that one? I don't know. Huh. Basically, it's it's them and they're like th- those act. I can't even think of their name. Like Chris Simon Pegg yes. and Nick Frost. Frost. In that movie, they're Frost. like they're old old friends and they're bar hopping basically, and they're mm-hmm. like going through. All this bar hopping and the final bar that they're going to get to is called the World's End. I think that's some bits and pieces. But the but basically like the town has been taken over by like aliens basically, okay. and like people are like have been taken over and they're like aliens in disguise. But in all three movies, they're eating that ice cream, the the cornet you know the ice cream cone, but it's got the 
the... He has the coronet. Yeah, the coronet. So, yes. not, what was I saying? Coronetto? Corn- uh, corn- is, it, is it a coronet <laughs> or a coronet? Coronet? I, I don't know. I think a coronet is a... Uh, is that an instrument? <laughs> I think, I think so. so. <laughs> All right, I'm going to talk into Google on this one. What is the ice cream that they eat in Shaun of the Dead? Cornetto. Cornetto. Okay, I was so right. So C O R N E T T O. Um, the use of Cornetto ice cream as a hangover cure for Frost's character in Shaun of the Dead, based on his own experiences. Cornetto. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Anyways. a lot of people treat those as a trilogy because again, a lot of the same actors, a lot of the very similar styles, and mm-hmm. honestly, like if you like one. It's kind of hard not to like the others. So yeah. it's like if you like Hot Fuzz, it's hard not to like Shaun of the Dead. But I'll, Hot I'll Fuzz is definitely with, my favorite out yeah. of all of them. I think yeah. out of all of them, then I'll just kind of stick with Hot Fuzz. And again, the music is just so outrageous. I just absolutely love it. And when you talk about like things potentially being trilogies or whatever, you could almost say the same for some other directors. And I just call it like the, like directors will have their own shtick. They'll have their yeah. own... They have their own style. And so you can kind of confuse things by, you know, thinking that just because a director has a certain way of filming certain movies that they should just be all cloistered into like a box set or whatever. But they're all individual stories. Look at Guy Ritchie films. Come on. Come on. All right. We're talking about the Brits right now. Got it. Let's get this out in the open. Guy Ritchie films. I do thoroughly enjoy them. But if you've seen one, you've pretty much seen them all. In a way, no. He has his own. He has his like his own acting. Like the way the actors act, the way the music plays, the way the camera pans, the way the, the just like everything. The way he films, um, you definitely know you're watching a Guy Ritchie film when you're watching it. And there's nothing wrong with that, too. Not at all. Like, I think it's awesome. It's entertaining. I, I'm thoroughly entertained by his stuff. I will. Always, I'm not shitting on it. Yeah, I will always make this argument with people if somebody's like. Like, if they're talking about a band or something like that, it's like, oh, why listen to this band? They just sound like this band. It's just more of the same thing. Why would I give it a shot? It's like, well, do you like cheeseburgers? Yeah, I love cheeseburgers. Well, we've already had one. Why go anywhere else and get one from somewhere else? It's like, if you've already had a cheeseburger from McDonald's, why why get one from Burger King? And it's like, because it's like, just because it's the same thing, it is a little different. And mm-hmm. sometimes people... It's, there's nothing wrong with wanting a little bit more of the same thing if you like it. Or maybe the quality will be different. Yeah. Or so, maybe you prefer flame broiled yeah. to just a standard burger. Yeah. Excuse so, me. So there's that. Yeah. Um, one thing I was thinking of, because mm-hmm. we're still... Uh, the theme of this episode has been... Free speech. Well, free speech, free access to information. And I know I asked you... Um, as far as like what was something that like you listened to that made like or watched that made waves Mm -hmm. Um, whenever I talk about stuff like this I always love talking about the first body count record because I loved that record Mm -hmm. when I first heard it Um, and again when I was in school for going for library science in my multicultural services class that was actually my final i did a review of that album for my final and i got an a um i so much dark humor in that record you know it's 
amazing for its time. Because, again, in a time... Because it's a great album because, let's face it, it does deal with race. And when, it, when I mean by that, obviously there's the stereotype, which it even brings up in its own music, the stereotype of that, you know, an all-black metal band. And it's like, they are an all-black metal band, but they were also awesome you know it's like they were hilarious and it was like it was vulgar it was over the top it was funny and it's great and but it's also sincere it's not like hey wouldn't it be great if we did this even though we don't like or understand the music and they totally under understood the music and grew up with the music and it was a part of their of what they enjoy and so and they put it out there and it's amazing um and the reason why i'm bringing up this album is because it's going to come back around to the books but Okay. So, because obviously, like, Cop Killer came out, made a ton of waves, and everybody reacting to it. Oh, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you did that. Was that reactionary to um, Rodney King? Yeah. Like, they, they, like, all that stuff was going on the LA riots, and so, you know, they wrote the, the, the biggest fuck you. That was, like, 30 years ago. Yeah. And, like, crazy. like, the, the president of the United States was calling out Ice-T by name, like, on TV. You've got Charlton Heston reading mm. body count lyrics on TV. And here, die, 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 pig, die. And it's like, <laughs> if you're from Mars and you have a pussy, we will fuck you. Kind of a catchy number, isn't it? And it's like, this is amazing. <laughs> well, Charlton Heston, we can't all stick with Glenn Miller forever and a day now, can we? Yeah. <laughs> Moving forward. <laughs> yeah. But, and, like, bringing up this album, because back then, I remember all the newscasters, everybody that was complaining about it, even them mentioning it on, like, Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. they never mentioned the band. They always referred to it as Ice-T's song. Really? And Ice-T has a theory on why they did it that way, and I never thought of it this way, but I'm going to get to what I thought it was first. Because let's face it, in the 90s, nobody was talking about metal. It's like everybody wanted to pretend that it didn't exist. It's like... <laughs> you, it's like in the kind of like the middle child in every family. It's like... <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm like, a middle child, so I can say that. <laughs> like, like, in the 90s, like it was like you never saw it or heard about it on MTV or on the radio. Like, you, I mean, it was all about grunge, and so it's like, of course you heard... Alice in Chains, you heard Pearl Jam, you heard Nirvana. Some, of, In my opinion, some of the greatest records that came out in the 90s, like nobody ever even touched them. Nobody ever touched Danzig 3, um, you know, Sepultura, Chaos AD. Mm. Um, granted, like Pantera shocked everybody because they had the number one album with Far Beyond Driven, which is amazing. And it's like, yeah, when it, did that come out? That I think was... that was 94. Dang. But it was crazy because that record beat everybody, even like Destiny's Child and like, it was, okay. All right. Oh. Quick break. Quick, quick break. break. Sorry. going to be right back. All right. And we are back. Oh, before oh. we start in with talking about what we were talking about before, look at the ears on that dog. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god, the ears are almost like Mickey Mouse ears on a dog. Oh, I can't even. 
All right, I gotta love that, and I gotta get off of Facebook because we're still not done. We're still yeah. hot right. in this podcast. So, c- coming back to body count mm. protests, or you know, politicians talking about it, um, and everybody talking about Ice T's song yes. "Cop Killer." Yes. Me and coming back to like all this really great metal in the '90s, and none of it getting any airplay, any attention. And so me, at the time, I chalked that up to, it was like them talking about Ice-T's cop killer. It's because they didn't do the research because nobody gives a shit about metal. Like, it's easier to talk about rap and grunge. And it's like, oh, we're not going to talk about metal, so let's try and leave that out of the picture because we don't want to talk about metal. Mm -hmm. And that's how I took that at the time. Sure. But when, when I... When I did my final for, for that class, learning about the song, Ice T had the theory, or like he, he, what he believed, is that they said they marketed, or you know, they put it in the media that it was Ice T's cop killer because they wanted everybody that hadn't heard it or didn't know about it to think of it as a rap song because it was harder for white audiences to connect to rap. Hmm. And w- what I mean by that is, like, I mean, you, you've heard Cop Killer. I mean, of it's this course. great fucking... It, it's in my head right now as you're talking about it's it. It's <laughs> such a fucking punked out metal mm-hmm. rock and roll rebel defiance. Fuck you. Break stuff. Like, it's time for a change. And honestly, you know, I, and thank, like, I thank him to this day for... For having put out such a song because it it makes me want to wash dishes harder it makes me want to clean this house better and it makes me want to do stuff and it makes me want to just like slam yeah. myself against the wall yeah, yeah i mean fuck the police rodney king fuck the police don't be a pussy it's like it's 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 fucking great yeah and like, he has a theory that if people knew that it was a metal song, that it was like a punk rock metal song, people may have been a little more sympathetic to it and been like, oh, well, it's a rock song. Well, I grew up with rock and roll and rebellion and questioning authority and all that and bugging my parents and stuff. So, may- so you know, if that's what he's doing, maybe just that's what that is. But saying, oh, it's a rap song and then having them associate it with gangster rap and then you have these you know all these conservative white people going oh well oh it's that rap and this and then making it more of a of a divide because again it's harder for he saw that it was harder for white people to connect to rap and hip-hop than it would be for rock and so since it was harder for them to connect to it it was easier for them to villainize it you know to so you was like you've created that further separation culturally it makes it even more of like a oh well, we need to get rid of this thing we need to ban it i feel like this topic is a like a, a little branch off of the whole generational uh generational divide even when it comes to musical choices because uh, the history of humanity. It's funny. Uh, I feel like my boss and I even had a similar conversation when it came to this just this past week where we were talking about like, you know, um, today's musical choices, current generation, what they're listening to, whatever they're listening to. It can definitely reflect one's age 
when it comes to say our gener our generation where you know whatever the young kids are listening to nowadays we cannot can necessarily connect to it or that we just don't really like it we don't find that it's quality content or anything like that and that the music of our time was better well look at our parents um our parents generation the music how did they feel about the music that we started listening to as say teenagers and you know the quality content of our music and oh look at what those kids are listening to nowadays you know what is this world coming to well now look at what look at our parents what our parents were listening to back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, how did uh, their parents, our grandparents, feel in wh whenever they heard their kids, our parents, uh, listening to their music? So every generation, let's just go back one more. And I'm sure that, you know, the great-grandparents that were listening to Glenn Miller, uh, how were the great-great-grandparents uh, feeling about that you know big band music that was big band music was was considered like I'm, I'm not gonna say it was considered like the you know the heavy metal of its time but it was definitely uh, a little uh, con considered like risque or outrageous oh it invited all of this kind of like you know this kind of different kind of dancing that was never experienced before and that was just right before you know the rock and roll came on in so and then rock when rock and roll came on in then you know all parents were like oh my god elvis presley he's you know he's the antichrist look at him dancing blah, 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 and shaking his hips and pelvis all over yep. the place no so in talking with what what you're talking about with body count and with ice Ice tea. Ice tea. Sorry, I always, I was ice tea, ice cube. It's one of them. Um, <laughs> in conjunction with that, of course, all of the parents are going to hate that kind of material because they cannot connect to it, they can't relate to it, and they find it absolutely, you know, horrible, terrible music. Blah blah blah. It's not quality content. But you know what? If when they were young, if it was created in their time, they would have been a hundred percent behind it. Yeah. No, I just thoroughly consider it a generational thing. Yeah. And I definitely have some stuff to say about that, too. Mm -hmm. But c coming back to what what Ice-T said, so having yeah. that, like, under that, like, has to, having to do with race and the racial divide and the cultural divide with that. Mm -hmm. um, coming back to the books, Ooh, the, the yeah. LGBT books because I actually Good talk, segue, babe. Yeah, I actually <laughs> talked about this at work too mm -hmm. and they brought up a really good point too about it is that the whole oh, the whole pornographic aspect of it too and the the thing is that it's like there are other books that deal with that too is like are they just using that aspect of it as an excuse to pull LGBTQ materials like, if it was a graphic novel having to do with the Bible, and then they depicted that chapter, what was it, the, the issues of the issues of donkeys and he's hung like a horse. You know that chapter I'm talking about? No. In the King James Bible, basically it's a section where it says, like, this woman wanted to get fucked by men that were that came like donkeys and were hung like horses. I don't remember that book or chapter at all, babe. Yeah, I would... I would think that I would remember that. You know what, let me... Or maybe it was glossed over you know <laughs> when it was in the religion. L let me look it up right now. Can we look it up, Jamie? Can look it up, look it up, Jamie. Look it up. We need to find this out. 
No. And why is it that religions have glossed over uh, the whole hung like a horse thing? Or is that a matter of convenience? I want to know. And throughout that, I just want to say throughout this whole entire podcast, I have now doodled on four sheets of paper. And if you're curious about what I have doodled, let's see. My first doodle was just like some scribbles. And then I started drawing triangles and connecting some of the triangles with random lines. At first, I was going to fill in the lines, but then I changed my mind. The next paper was my very long kite string with all of these little triangles, and some of them I filled in the triangles. The third paper I drew, I was it was originally going to be a seashell, but it turned into a snail and a flower and a rose and some kind of thing that I drew off of the rose. I don't know where I was going with that. And now on my fourth sheet, I drew a big giant heart and I'm filling in the heart with a bunch of teeny tiny little hearts. Anyways, right. back to you, Jamie. Okay, I found it. Okay. By, from BibleGateway.com. All right. Um, Ezekiel 23, 20. She was full of desire for lovers whose flesh was like those of donkeys and whose flow was like that of horses. So basically, <laughs> she, she was horny as fuck for people that came like who were hung like donkeys and came like horses interesting i feel like in my whole entire life of ever reading the bible i never i i never read that maybe i just kind of skipped over that one yeah i don't know but here's here's a question for you on that Mm -hmm. um parents that are arguing for like those books to be banned from schools Mm -hmm. hypothetically and again i'm not going to say that they are religious but let's say that they are religious and that they are catholic have every any of them ever argued to have that pulled from the Bible based on its content? Have they has there ever been a religious person that said, This section of the Bible is harmful for my children, I want it pulled from the Bible? Or did they say, Well, you have to understand the Bible in its context, this section in its context is important to mm-hmm. the message. Yeah. So it's so like coming back to it, it's like, is it really a question of pornography or what is appropriate for children? Or is it just having to do with keeping that divide for things having to do with LGBTQ, you know? Or is it just really that hard for society to change? And because you're talking about something that has to do with the Bible, um, again, puritanical stuff. No, is it is it easy to just like keep on with the same archaic teachings of the Bible and just kind of gloss over something like that? But to introduce anything new to society, the hardest thing ever. Let's just stay with the old archaic way. Yeah, I I will definitely say that it's like when it comes to stuff like this, people definitely give things a pass when it aligns with their views. Yeah, because yeah. what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's what yeah. I always say. Um, but I, I will say this. I know we're at two hours and ten minutes. I do have some other things to say, but do you feel like we can keep going? Or do you feel like this is a place to wrap up? I feel like this is a decent place to wrap up. And that if you have other things to say, we could use those for next week's podcast or for another podcast. And kind of like, I'm not trying to say, oh, we should keep our podcast within a certain bracket of time. But it is getting to be later on in the morning. 
and I wouldn't mind before my computer decides to die on me I wouldn't mind loading this one up because I do need to use this computer to do my final Absolutely. later today because and um, before we wrap things up there is something else I have to say but I'll let you wrap up your end of things and then I got something else I have to right. say so I would at the very least like to say this mm -hmm. I definitely love that we touched on all this on this podcast same I do think it would be a good idea to also talk about this issue on the other end of it too. And when yeah. I mean the other end of it too is like... Look at the parental point of view versus the child? Not or? even the parental point of view, but like when it comes to, oh, I don't agree with those ideas, like people using art and entertainment to deal with things such as like hate and Nazism, oh. things like that. I definitely have some stuff to say about that too yeah. and some points on that. Yep. But that in itself could probably be a whole other podcast. So mm -hmm. would you be interested in having this almost be like a... Part one, part two? Like this is a freedom... Fuck yeah. Freedom part one and then next yeah. time could be a freedom part two and then we could deal with all this on the other side of it too. I like the sound of that. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think we should because I think there's plenty more papers for me to doodle on. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome, that'd be great. All right, okay. well. Um, that's your end of things. There is something on my end of things that I need to say before we close this thing up. Um, I wanted to hold off until your birthday to give this to you, but I think today, based on this podcast, I think it's a good idea to give you um, one of your birthday presents, Earth Day. Birthday? My yes. My birthday's not even until October. I know, <laughs> I know. I feel but, like, did, did you ever see some like it hot? With uh, spats at the end, he's like, my birthday? Why are you in for another four months? Well, so uh, what's a few months between friends? And then so he, and then he murders him. <laughs> I'm not going to murder you. There was a little knife here so that you can open up this box. But I think based on, based on this podcast, I think it works out perfectly. All right? I think it's a... So, so, so Peter is opening an early birthday present right now. It's all sealed up. Came in the mail. Oh God, I think I bought this maybe like two months ago and you I've just been holding on to it all this time. Bought me a birthday present this early. I know. Well, it was on my mind and there it is. So. Oh my fucking God, you bought me. Yes, I did. Oh my God. That's how much I love you. How the fuck did you find this? I love Discogs website. Discogs is the best way to go. Holy babe. fucking shit. Mm -hmm. So All tell, right. tell the audience what, what, what are did the your fucking, awesome wife get for you? What are the fucking odds that you would even... Okay. <laughs> what, what are the odds? <laughs> this hugest fucking coincidence that... You ha Wait, so before I even say anything... You, you've had this hidden under, like, the chair this whole time? Not this whole time. Um, when we paused just before, because I really did legit have to go to the bathroom, um, I found that to oh, be a good we, moment in time for me to go, run to the study and grab that. When so. we paused it and I was talking about, like, iced tea and wine. Yeah, history, and I'm just like, like okay. I just suddenly had this spark where it's like, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to give this to you. So, so. Chris, what I'm holding in my hands right now for people that are listening... Christina legit just gave me. It is a copy of the first body count record on CD. And as soon as she gave it to me, I was like, all right, I got to look at the back. It's like, is, is the last track Freedom of Speech, which is the replacement song. So, all right, to back it up a little bit, the song Cop Killer on the first body count record, if you don't know, 
Ice-T chose to pull the song from the record and replace it with another song, Freedom of Speech, because of all the pushback that was coming back from that. And to this day, like, Cop Killer's not on Apple Music or like that. You can find it on YouTube, but, like, and you can find it on another, like, torrent sites and download. But Christina just legit gave me a copy of the first Body Count record on CD, and I look on the back of it, the last song is Cop Killer. Um, as it should be and even the the art on the front cover body count uh, the guy on the front with the gun in his pants and he's holding the chain it doesn't say body count on his chest it says cop killer on his chest holy shit wow woo holy fucking shit I have a copy of the first body count album with cop killer on it so ah. so again i want to put it out there to anybody that's like looking for looking for a random piece of music and you think you can't find it i also got it from the same website that i got you the terminator soundtrack from no yes so if you're ever looking for something and you can't find it go to it i don't know if it's i call it discogs but maybe it's disc ogs but it looks like d-i-s-c-o-g-s.com and so for, you can find everything there in and, different formats. And for the record, as far as her saying the first Terminator soundtrack, to clarify that, it's a version of the Terminator soundtrack with those songs by Tane Kane and the Triangles on it. Mm. So you know that scene in Technoir? You've got me burning, mm. you've got me burning. Like, those songs are on that. Like, the U.S. version of that soundtrack, those songs are not on it, but you found a version where those... Of course. ...where those songs I'm are on I'm telling you, it. that and, website, you'll find everything you need. And I, like, I wanted to find those songs on an album, like, on a tape or a CD as a kid, like, forever. I hunted everywhere for them. So, that was an awesome, awesome Christmas gift, and this is an awesome early birthday present, too. Yay. That is awesome. I just want to look at the back of it. Yep. The disc itself looks beautiful. It, I knew I, I, I knew um, going in on this one that I was going to definitely get one that's used. You can see that it's used. But um, and it definitely has some like faint, faint scratches on the disc itself. But it definitely looks playable. So And, and bottom yeah. line too, I mean, <clears throat> I have Cop, the song Cop Killer on my other iPod and... Again, you can find it on YouTube, but it's just, it's the fact that... Now you have your own tangible, own Like a, a physical, it. like, piece of of music and pop culture history. That's a... Uh, and the lyrics are on the inside of the jacket. <laughs> yep. And, and when it comes to lyrics, I gotta say this and put this out there too, because it is honestly one of my most favorite lyrics of all time, coming to the song KKK Bitch. Oh, God. Um... Which is a song that Ice-T wrote about going down into the South, infiltrating the Ku Klux Klan, and impregnating their daughters. Like, their yeah. daughters falling in love with them and them impregnating them. And it's so raunchy, it's so over the top, some might even say it's misogynistic, but mm. please keep in mind, this for the sake of humor, that it's amazing. But I, I'm even going to look, look it up right now, just so I make sure... I feel like the the police siren or the the ambulance siren going off in the background to this yeah. so, is almost appropriate. So here's <laughs> here's the last verse lyric in that song KKK bitch and it's one of my favorite lyrics of all time. It's him singing about the girl that he has sex with, her dad her dad who is the grand wizard of the KKK. 
I know her daddy will really be after me when his grandson's named Little Ice Tea. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. Yay. Fucking love it. There you go, babe. Well, yep. happy early birthday. Yeah. There'll be other gifts to follow. Yeah. But I just couldn't resist because today, uh, based on topical stuff, mm. uh, it was just as good as day as any. Mm. Good way to end another yep. good podcast. <laughs> Probably one of our longest ones at that. Yeah. <laughs> I got hiccups now. Ah, I'm a KKK bitch. Motherfucker, dear old dad. All right. <laughs> Peter. Um, thank you very much for this awesome, awesome gift, my darling. You're welcome. Um, and I think this was a really, really good podcast. Um, yeah. I know we kind of like roll through last time but i think we're we're, we're, we're just, on a really good track now definitely i think when it comes to last week's podcast also we're just trying to still find some of our footing on and, on all of this it's almost like the first season of any tv show that there's still going to be like some awkward moments because everybody's still getting to know each other yeah and uh, i think the same thing can apply for us when it comes to podcasting it's yeah. like uh just um just figuring out our footing and um figuring out what works for us and what doesn't so um winging it uh was definitely not a good idea i no. think last week we could have definitely done better but that you know what that's on me um and i think that your idea of a starting topic for today's episode was definitely the way to go um because uh look at look at how far we've come yeah so and even like yeah. just having a chance to generate ideas because let's face it my ride to work is a long time and that's a long time to think about things to say so yeah. i definitely thought a lot about about like oh i could talk about that too mm. so and maybe my doodling helped me out today <laughs> could be. Could be. so i'm gonna try to remember that for uh, future episodes that i'll keep you know a what, notepad you know um, what i would even say too yeah um for this podcast mm -hmm. maybe we should even take some photos for reference so people could see your doodles on oh, facebook and they can even see the album on the facebook post too mm -hmm. all right um but yeah there you go Everyone, thank you very much for listening, if, if you aren't listening at all, but um, good times, and we'll see you next time. Cheerio. All right. <laughs> uh, 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 all right, bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye.